I have no topics prepared. Is this a show? Are we starting over? No, we're not. What's the, what? Open the notes. They're full of topics. Are they? Did you open the notes, yes. Dan? Yes. He did, actually. Yeah, I added, I added two add, things. He added two words. <laughs> no, sure. no, 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 no. I added two things. <laughs> one at the very top by Ghost of Tsushima and one at the very bottom by Baseball. By Baseball. We got to say. And they, and, they are, and they are both hyperlinks. <laughs> Blaseball. Okay, fine. <laughs> We have a Patreon program that's all brand new. Oh, that's new right. We should probably fresh. talk about and, that. And <laughs> uh, it's big for us to talk about. It is a big deal. It's a big, big deal. Uh, do you? Deal. Let me let me ask you a question. Let me ask you a question, listener, listener. Do you like pixel noise? <laughs> do you like to hear pixel noise as soon as physically possible? If you answered I yes, do, I do. <laughs> if you answered yes <laughs> to either of these questions, uh, you should check out the link in the show notes to go to our Patreon, where you can join one of two tiers for three or five bucks uh, and support our show, support our development, and in return, you can hear the show as soon, basically as soon as we're done recording. We're going to post a special unedited, full of curses, full of controversial hot takes, all the stuff that gets cut out is all going to get posted uh, for our Patreon members. If you're at the, what what do we call it? The the beta tier? What's the first tier? The beta right, tier. Right. So you, you can be, subscribers. You can be a Pixel Noise beta and uh, <laughs> you can get the episode as soon as we're done recording. Or, or, if you're really one of those kids with money, you can join the alpha tier for five whole dollars and we'll be forever grateful. And you can join us during the recording. We record these shows live. I can't think of any other way that we do it. <laughs> yeah, I know. <don't>. Live. <laughs> we record these shows, in fact, live with each other in Discord. And uh, you can join and listen live and even chat with us. And you know what? We'll be looking at the chat, and if you have the best idea, we might remark about it on the show. It's almost like you can be on the show, listener. Right. We we can actually guarantee, we, we can make, give you a pixel noise promise, one of these famous promises that don't exist, uh, that <laughs> your comment uh, absolutely will be readable to us during the recording of the show. Uh, we are not promising that we will read your comment out loud this short, nor are we even promising that we're going to read your comment, but it is readable, technically, so that should be exciting <laughs> anyway. <laughs> so if this sounds appealing to you, or more importantly, if you want to, if you like the show, if you want to support us in our future developments, uh, patreon.com slash pixelnoisefm, uh, link in the show notes, uh, we would be forever grateful. Who keeps hitting their mic? <laughs> that, that was me that time. <laughs> Do you have to keep that hit in now just to make that comment stand out? I guess you just cut everything. God damn it. Never cut mind. everything. Cut everything. <laughs> Wait, uh, don't make it a clean break. Of, just keep going. Keep talking. <laughs> this is the kind of content that you get to hear if you're a, <laughs> this is the kind of thing. If you're a Patreon member at either tier. Does this excite you? I'll be... If the answer is That's yes. That's exciting to me. <laughs> yeah, assuming this is all in the final episode. You can only find out if you subscribe to the Patreon. That's my f That's my favorite oh my thing, though, which is like the, the alpha tier. Uh, the alpha tier gets like the full experience and all that 
uh, good stuff. But the beta tier also gets the full experience. You just don't get it as soon as possible as you possibly can. Um, I think it's worth noting that if you do, if you are, if you blah, 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 if you do join as an alpha tier member, uh, the recordings that we do are scheduled for Saturdays uh, at noon Eastern time. Uh, so it's it's not like will will this will this go live? I don't. This will go live, right? What? Well, what? Like 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 you can only catch this recording at noon on Saturday. Otherwise, if you miss noon on Saturday, you have to wait for the beta tier subscriber edition of the episode to come out. Uh, It's not not like we're going to release a a third like RSS feed. No, 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 no. That's that's too too many feeds. We're we're too we're too. That's absurd. That's absurd. Too deep in the. But you do get access. You do get access to the beta tier feed. Uh, now I've been dying to make this joke forever. Uh, we were thinking of calling our Patreon of subscribers uh, subs, but then it was too obvious that different tiers would be subs and DOMs, and we just didn't think that quite fit the brand of Pixel Noise. Oh my so, god! Right. Uh, that's why we. That's why we went with Alpha and Beta. Al- alphas and Betas, definitely. That's <laughs> that is more in the uh, uh, in the Pixel Noise brand, <laughs> I guess. I don't. I don't know. Nice Snorlax. I sure hope so. I don't know. Is is our DOMs and subs more in the Al- Pixel Noise brand? Brand, viewer, you decide. You decide. Text in now. Patreon.com slash so Pixnoise FM. <laughs> Jesus Christ, this is all getting cut out. Okay. So uh the but other the other benefit Patreon subscriber. <laughs> the other benefit I feel like you would get is that um we sometimes, not always, we sometimes use video when we record the show. Do you wish this show had a video component? Do you wish you could see Alex's messy bedroom <laughs> or his Snorlax mug? Um, hey, or what about hel- my green screen? What your, about the... I have a green screen. Now. Green... You have like a green cloth cloth (laughs) that he's calling a green screen. Does this this word picture interest you? Does it raise more questions than it answers? If it does, patreon.com slash pixanoisefm. That's that's the link. He got it right. I I can confirm. At the alpha tier, if you're in the live call, you can see the video. Well, like I said, I have, I have a, I came, I, I came unprepared today for class. So, so I, didn't, I didn't bring a pencil. You, I didn't bring. You my already notebook. mentioned, uh, yeah, minus ten points for the day. Uh, you already mentioned <laughs> that <laughs> you are now turning off your computer at the end of the day and turning on your computer at the start of the workday, and it's sort of become this like, this. Uh, mm. I don't know, this sort of like routine or like morning and evening ritual for you. And I was I was I was <laughs> wondering word, if you could <laughs> I was I was wondering if you wanted to talk about that at all or all if right, this fine. is really boring and it's all fine, gonna get fine. All right, fine, I'll talk about it a little bit. We can I always am, just uh, I am a I I am a I am a I'm I'm trying to think of a way to make this into a joke. I'm a creature of uh not habit of of chaos, I think. This might be a closer word. Hmm. <laughs> uh, however, uh, I, I've been granted uh, this computer that now lives in my home that I use uh, primarily for uh, pixel noise related uh, things uh, and, and playing Overwatch. I play Overwatch on there. I'm not, it's fine by me. Uh, um, <laughs> Which is not streamed. Beca- uh, it was once, but not on this computer. Well, save it for the show. Uh, <laughs> but because 
because it's sort of like this quote unquote work computer, uh, you know, I, I need it for my job. Um, I feel the need to take care of it more. Like I, I still, I still don't have an antivirus on there cause who does that? Um, but I've already like sorted through everything and I keep the desktop very clean and I make sure all the accounts are like separated. Um, like the browser I use, uh, like doesn't or at least promotes itself as not keeping track of any cookies uh, or anything like that and who and et cetera et cetera and one of the things that I realized that's nice is uh my day yesterday uh i I kind of ended early for the day, and I was like, oh man, I just like don't know what else to do. It's like seven p m I could just turn my computer off and then I turns the computer off because I turn it off at the end of every day. And then it's like, oh, I just kind of had like three hours or so, like, or however much longer I stayed awake. I just had that time to myself. And that felt nicer than I expected. I have to admit, like, that was a much more comforting feeling than I would have realized uh, it was. Uh, so, and, and, the, and Tony, you're kind of bringing this up because uh, we've all, all the Pixel boys uh, have all seen this video on YouTube <laughs> uh, called Spaceship U by CGP Grey. <laughs> there it is. And uh, it talks about how you can kind of maintain a more healthy and productive lifestyle in this world that is filled with uh, COVIDs and quarantines everywhere. One of the things CGP Grey talks about is separating your work. It's, it's like a work-life balance is kind of the common phrase. But he goes into more detail about how you can separate work and life using literal space. Like when you're at your desk, your video games don't bleed into your desk. Your desk is work-related and it remains that way. And if your video games start bleeding into that, then it's literally cutting into your work time. Like it's kind of a metaphor for that. So in a way the condition that my computer is on or off is sort of this my own mental way to subscribe to the idea that i am working while the computer is on like i'm like it's on i'm ready to go it's the start of, i always turn it on at the beginning of the day and when i turn it on i sit down and i go right to the thing i need i don't just like meme around cuz again it's not my personal computer uh, where I can just type F and it autofills in Facebook for me or something like that. Um, like like, like literally, Facebook. it doesn't. It, you know, it's funny. <laughs> it's funny because I've done that out of like this horrible human habits that we have. I've got I've gone into my browser on the on the good PC, pressed F and it doesn't autofill it in, and it's like, oh my god. It's like I catch myself. It's like thank, thank you, PC, for not filling in Facebook for me because I would have <laughs> clicked on it. I definitely would have. Um, so having that separation is actually like it's it's seen uh, an objective benefit in that way where it actually did stop me from doing something unproductive. It's like good now I can, you know, focus on what I'm actually trying to do, and you know, going through the list of things that I still need to and want to do for like the pixel noise stream and the podcast it's like <laughs> there's still there's still a lot of work to be done <laughs> uh but yeah that's how for it sure. kind of manifested itself yeah i think that's smart um i think a lot of people have been understandably struggling with this separation like having to work from home um i know my wife and myself are it's it's hard like we're 
you know, we're teaching from home. So like sometimes we're answering parent phone calls on our couch where we, you know, normally eat dinner and like this, this separation can base uh, or lack of separation, I should say, can basically overtake everything. So I think these little routines, while they might seem like silly in passing can be really helpful. Absolutely. Yeah, like it's ultimately, it may feel silly in the moment, but it's, um, you know, like especially if you're not, if this is not something you're accustomed to, like like really being so thoughtful about how you're using your space at home. But it, it really is like, it, it's it's worth taking it seriously. Like it really is worth taking it seriously because it does, it does have positive effects on your health, both your physical and mental health. Let me ask you guys this. This sounds like, uh, what's I've heard some people describe as mindfulness. Is this a word you guys have come across or think about? Yeah. Um, I don't know if we're using it in the same way as some people do. Right. But I think basically the way I understand it is just don't go on autopilot. Like, yeah, think about exactly. your actions and how they impact just like everything you're doing. Um, and I think that, I don't know the actual definition of mindfulness, but like the way I understand it, what we're talking about would fall under that. Um, like something I've been trying to do is like I work at my desk and I don't work at my couch. Right. Um, because I was finding myself like doing all my grading at my couch and uh, on my couch in front of my TV, which one made it take longer because I was stopping to watch TV every so often. Yep. And then two, like I would sit down for dinner at the couch, the same couch, and I would then like be thinking about work stuff and so it was important for me to have this separation where like if i'm not at my desk i'm not working that's just how it works right now when i'm living in my apartment and not really going anywhere else not going on autopilot i think is a great description of that and i think what you're also describing is taking it a step further which is not just avoiding autopilot but actively making clear and conscious decisions and like I'm, I'm making I'm making a very obvious decision to go to work when I turn on my computer. Like this is the only place it can get done, and I can't do it until it's turned on. So now that it's turned on, now it's work time. And as continuing that thought, I turn it off. I'm done working. I'm gonna relax. I'm gonna cook dinner and not think about work. And if I come up with something that I want to do, it's like oh, that's a solution to my problem. I can't go do that unless I turn my computer back on. So maybe I'll write a note or something to myself quickly, but I can't mm-hmm. like reinvest myself into a work mindset. It just, that's because it's separated like that. Yeah. I think to build off of what you were saying too, it's not just even about making decisions, but about making purposeful decisions and mm-hmm. determining like, cause I, I, you know, I can make it, you can make a decision to go and turn your computer on and, and do that. But does that really fit into what you're trying to make work? And I think this actually goes along with something else that, um, to go back to CGP Grey, what, something else that he had, he had spoken about, which is like yearly themes. To me, mm-hmm. this this mindfulness is like, I have maybe not a yearly theme, but I have a, something like a theme that I'm trying to make work. Right. And all of the decisions I make, I have to filter it through that. Does does this lead me towards the goal I'm trying to make happen? Or, or not even a goal, but like, does this accomplish... Uh, the separation I want or something like that. Yeah, the the term mindfulness can sometimes uh, turn people off because uh, mindfulness can be used synonymously with meditation 
or like sort of as a as as a keyword or maybe like a code word for meditation and um sure i don't i don't have any problem with medicate with meditation <laughs> i don't have any problem <laughs> with meditation uh but i know that some people uh don't like it some people really do like it and get really into it um but i i think of meditation like as a it can be a component of mindfulness but i think of mindfulness as like the bigger category of just being thoughtful about what you do and being again like we already said intentional about how you're spending your time the connection to meditations interesting and relevant because i i think i agree with what you're saying if this is what you're saying which is Medita- meditation is kind of like the extreme of mindfulness where you are setting aside time to be like purely mindful and you're just like there's nothing else happening you're like tuning everything else out whereas i think mindfulness just kind of comes with like you 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 just want to you know generally take with you that calm presence that meditation can give you but like you want to kind of bring it with you in your everyday life and actions uh, that's how I kind of interpret mindfulness in the context of meditation. Right. Meditation is something that you do that has um, defined boundaries. Yes. You start doing it for a period of time and you stop doing it. Uh, whereas mindfulness, I think of more as a constant practice. Like it's something that applies right. to yeah, that's a great way. Uh, every, everything that I do throughout my day. Where, like, you know, meditation is an activity and mindfulness is um i don't want to say a lifestyle that sounds so ugh, but like it's a mindset <laughs> it's it's absolutely it's kind of like a theme it's kind of like your the cgb gray yearly theme it's kind of yeah. like that uh do you guys have experience with meditation just out of curiosity i've tried it um i don't enjoy it <laughs> it's incredibly boring um, absolutely <laughs> Yeah, I, 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 I've tried it maybe two or three times because, um, you know, I, I enjoy yoga and also not very good at that, but I do enjoy it. Right. And I feel like meditation and yoga kind of go hand in hand. Um, so I was like, I should try meditation, but it's just, it's so boring. Like, there's nothing going on and I don't, I feel, I, I honestly just feel like I'm wasting my time. Yeah, I mean... If that's your opinion coming away from it, then you probably don't need it. <laughs> would be my argument. Um, <laughs> I I have I have mm-hmm. done meditation on a number of occasions. I mean, like any other healthy habit, uh, I do it for a while and then I stop because I'm not good at keeping healthy habits. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but um, meditation, in my experience, is good for helping to break consistent thought patterns, uh, helping to break out of thought loops, especially in my case, thought loops of anxiety. So like if you, if your thoughts get stuck in an infinite loop, um, it's, it's one way that you can sort of, you know, change something and break out of it. Mm -hmm. It's a way that you can give voice to thoughts that are always going, maybe always going on in the back of your minds and affecting you in some way, either positively or negatively, but allowing them through quiet and listening to come forth to the front of your minds uh, so you can acknowledge them or deal with them if you <laughs> if you need to deal with them. <laughs> it, it can be a way of working through a difficult emotion that you might be feeling um, if something is overwhelming or if you're just generally feeling overwhelmed. 
uh, I find it can be helpful for focusing on uh, what the facts of a situation are and what's actually important and what's not important and what's reality and what's not reality. Um, so uh, it's, it's like I kind of think of it like defragging for your brain. And if you if you need that, <laughs> then it's really helpful for that. But if you if you try it and it's like you're not really getting any of these things, then, you know, it's possible that you may be just better at organizing these different thoughts into these different boxes, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And I do think that that's something I am good at. Like, I, I would say I also have uh, thought loops similar to what you were talking about, but I think they're a different kind. They're things that I get maybe a little obsessive about. It's not really anxiety related. Mm -hmm. Um I was making a spreadsheet for work, not because I had to, but because uh -huh. I'm a nerd. Um, <laughs> and I got obsessed with it and couldn't stop. And like for days straight, that was like all I did. And like the hyper fixation. Sure. And um, but like I, I, it's very interesting to me hearing you talk about this because like I, I, f I feel like while we while you and I Tony have have definitely have differences i feel like as far as people go we're we're relatively right. similar like we have <laughs> a lot we have like similar ways of looking at the world i think and and but to hear how you think about your own thoughts and have it be so wildly different from how i think about mine is like fascinating to me like the human brain is so interesting <laughs> yeah yeah no it Wait really is I start talking about myself <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, um, you know, I think, like, I get the sense, uh, like, especially when we have conversations like this, that a lot of our preferences may be in line um, and lifestyle choices mm -hmm. may be aligned, but I feel like the workings under the hood are are very different. I mean, and there's... Yeah. <laughs> like how you get there. Yeah, like how, like how we get there, I feel like, is probably very different. Which is great. Which is why it's great to it's great to have all three of us on the show. Yeah. And, well, and we also I think we talked about this on the show before, like our differences in how much we visualize things. Like I I visualize things way more than you do, and I feel like oh. that makes meditation a lot less boring. Probably. <laughs> it's a good point. Oh my god. Yeah, I am as far as I can tell, physically incapable of visualizing things. Um, right, which is interesting. Like I I don't understand like liter literally like when when people gr growing up when i'd hear people say like you know picture a beach or whatever i thought they were like kidding as i was like oh okay that's a nice thought mm -hmm. but i don't i, I can't literally do that <laughs> yeah i can like like in my head right now i can put like a, a beach shore and i can make it nighttime i can make it like sunrise I can like put shells on the beach. Like I could just picture all You've these. You've got things. a whole photo mode <laughs> so in there. You're just and you're saying like, <laughs> yeah, I do. Like I, yeah. I've got Photoshop in my brain. Uh, but you don't. You can't. You cannot imagine what that's like, Dan. No, I mean I can, I can imagine a beach scene. Like if you want, if you needed me to describe a beach to you, I could do that, and I can set it at any time of day or whatever. But like, I couldn't. I can't picture it. Like I don't see that. Well, then maybe we're actually just talking about the same thing because like c is a hard word like like because i think maybe when i say c maybe i mean imagine the way you're using the word because like obviously i don't see a beach right now mm -hmm. but like i'm imagining a beach and i have like memories 
of like looking at it. Like I have the memories of seeing a beach and those are what's coming back to me. I'm not like replacing the image in front of me with images of beaches. It's not like I'm No, yeah, I get that. Yeah. But like I'm I'm also not like like if I'm when I say I'm like I'm literally just making it up. Like I have no there's there's nothing I'm like visualizing. I'm just like, okay, I know conceptually what a beach looks like. Like there's some sand and there's some water and right. I can say there's some shells okay. and like and like if I'm gonna describe an apple to you, it's because I conceptually understand what an apple looks like. It's not right. because yeah, I'm you're, picturing one. You're more Maybe. like painting a word picture. Yeah, I mean it's it's the difference between, you know, like I don't even know if it's a difference because I've never experienced the other way, but I would imagine it's the difference between like, you know, writing a paragraph about something and like drawing a picture and then saying what the picture is. Is that yeah, I, fair? I think so. I think so. I think I think so. That probably makes sense. There was an exercise uh, I had done in I, I, and I, I want to talk about meditation as well uh, briefly, but I I'm now I'm sidetracked. I, Your favorite video game podcast, folks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, well, welcome to Pixel Noise, where we talk about indie games and music. Um, <laughs> Question mark? I did, an, I did an acting class uh, many summers ago, and uh, something the teacher said to me, we were doing like an exercise where we were imagining something, and he asked us to describe it. And I felt like a very good. It's like, oh, I can do that. It's like, so I had a picture of like an old church that I used to hang out in, like, uh, like the church I would, I used to go to. And I was very, very young with my parents. I would always hang out by the stained glass window and it was very ornate. And they had these like, uh, kind of moldings that were very beautiful. And they were like, we were at the balcony so I could like touch them. So I'd always just like, I was, I was just highly fascinated by the moldings in the stained glass window next to the balcony. So I pulled that memory uh, to uh, out of my head, uh, kind of to the forefront of my mind, and started describing it in the class. And as I'm describing, like, and it's very vivid for me, and I can remember like the ridges on the molding, and like how it kind of creates like a the shape of a wing, and like just the feeling of the metal on my hands, and but it was like kind of dirty, and I could like I could bring back all these memories, and. The teacher said to me the thing that he liked most about my description was that between like my eyes changing uh, expression, I guess like my eyes opening and closing and my hands even just like imagining like, oh, this is the shape of it as I move my hand across the metal, like it really gives gave him the idea that, oh, I, I really was picturing this thing in a very realistic way like he really like i was able to really sell this idea uh that like oh it really does feel like this and i'm actually seeing it and this uh, what you're what we're talking about like that picture it can be very vivid for me it all exists in my imagination but I, i i've been able to use that as an actor many times before where i can imagine like uh, I, I had a character who was uh, literally making bottles in an oven, like melting glass into the shape of bottles. And he talked about the pain of like the sharp glass and the heat and just like every and like the uh, the experience of like getting black, like when you open an oven, you get blasted with heat. But like amping that up 10 times, I can like really vividly imagine that and then kind of put it into my body as if I'm reacting to that. Um 
so I'm, I say all this to, to I guess, to ask, like, how much of this experience that I'm describing to you, Dan, are you missing? How much of it do you relate to? Because I know you've acted before. Yeah, I don't understand any of what you what? just said. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, I will, I guess, I don't know. Like, if, if I have to, I haven't acted in a while, so... And like when I was, I, feel, I don't know if this is all kids or if it was just me, but like when I acted as a kid, it didn't, it came a lot more naturally. Like I didn't sure. have to think about right, right, right. what I was acting. I was just like, doing. you're, 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 you know, you're acting, you're a street urchin. And I was like, okay, I'm a street urchin. And then I did it. And like, um, <laughs> but like now, you know, if I had to act something, I'd probably try and find a, something similar I've experienced, like you're talking about, I guess. And try and embody that like emotion or whatever i i'm hearing you speak a lot about like memories and things like that and i also i i don't have like a phenomenal memory and i okay. do wonder if that's because of because the of fact this. that i can't picture things right. literally the other day i was uh talking to my mom and she was like oh yeah remember when you were like really sick in high school and you missed like five months of school and i was like i don't wow. remember that at all like, I genuinely don't remember that happening. Um, yeah, that's a lot. Um, so, like, when I say my memory's bad, I mean, like, my memory's bad. Um, I don't know. I, I, I think that's maybe because I can't picture things. I don't know. But, the, but that that's my that's my theory. But that, but that makes a lot of sense, even, like, the, that these two things could be connected because I wouldn't remember the mold. Like, I can, I, it's so vivid in my head, like, the molding uh, on the side of the stained glass window in this church. Like it, it fascinated me so much. And I think I remember it because I can connect it to my memory of like what it feels like. Like I, I have a vivid mm -hmm. memory of the feeling of touching it. And like, I would just like kind of run my hand over it and just be, I, I feel a little like strange talking about this. Like I'm just utterly, <laughs> I'm an utterly fascinated six year old, like rubbing a metal, like, freaking balcony something rather but like it was just uh, uh, highly fascinating to me and because it was such uh object of my attention uh the memory of it still exists in my head even though i haven't been to that church in 20 years mate like or more like it's been that long yeah i mean i i also what i'm hearing though which i which i can relate to is that this was something that um was important to you at the time right. or like stirred a strong emotion right. or something like that and and i will say like it's not like i have no memories like there are things i remember because they provoked a strong emotion or something like that like um i can i can vividly remember uh i was in a i was acting in a show and my dressing room was uh two stories up from the stage mm. um and i heard my i heard uh I, I was I must have been distracted by something. I was probably reading a book or playing a video game or something. And well, all of a sudden over the speakers where I hear like the show going on, I hear my cue where I'm supposed to enter and I'm two floors above yeah. the stage. Um, and so I like I vividly remember me like the panic. bolting down <laughs> yeah. the stairs, like jumping down like five stairs at a time. Like I remember that panic and, and like Been there's there. like th <laughs> things like that. Like I, I definitely remember. I feel like if it didn't matter to me, like, I don't know, I don't want to say like, maybe not, I don't, I don't know if that's the right way to phrase it, but like, if it, if it wasn't like a big deal, sure. I don't really c 
commit it to memory. Right. There's sort of like a higher threshold of like how affecting an event needs to be to um, mm-hmm. for uh, for it to be remembered. I, I don't want to get too lost in this, and we probably should talk about video games on the video game podcast, but, like, <laughs> Alex, you had thoughts on meditation? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, just to, like, kind of jump to that quickly. But also, I wanted to say, Dan, like, we're, like, we'll never probably get to an answer on, like, what is going on here, but I feel like in a lot of ways we actually do have similar experiences, but maybe we... Uh, like our impressions of them are different, but there is clearly, I think there is clearly something different happening here also. And like memory might not just be consistent between uh, any two people. Yeah. And sorry, before you go on to meditation, I I will say for anybody who's hearing what I'm saying and is like, Oh, that kind of sounds familiar. And you're not really sure. There is a subreddit called um, RF Aphantasia, um, which I'll put in the show notes. Uh, that you can go check out and that's what this is being called like there's studies being done Mm. about like people who are seemingly unable to picture things um and it's there's a lot of interesting stuff there hey community yeah if if anyone right if if anyone's listening to dan and i talk about this and you're like oh i dan makes perfect sense here that alex guy what is he talking about like if if you have that (laughs) thought or vice versa like that's really interesting to me right now but anyway that's mere, merely a passing interest. Uh, I brought I brought up meditation, and I asked you guys if you had experience with it. I didn't expect uh, I didn't expect either of you to be like, "Oh, I've never touched it before. It's never crossed my radar." Uh, I didn't expect to get so much of an answer out of the two of you, where I like <laughs> haven't even gotten a word in about it, because I'm under the impression <laughs> that I've done more meditation than both of you. Um, it's been a while. I don't really meditate anymore, uh, but it was an important part of my, I, this, so the story goes, I'll try and make it reader's digest. Uh, <laughs> I have Tourette's syndrome and it's a very, uh, non severe case. So like I, all the streaming that I do and all the podcasting I do, uh, you'll probably never notice it. And I've noticed it rarely, uh, but also a stream is not the kind of environment where my ticks would show up. And the reason for that would be uh, ticks being the uh, like these uh, motor or vocal uh, actions that your brain kind of causes you to uh, do. They come out much more in an environment where I'm kind of relaxed and I'm done for the day and I'm chill. And they just kind of like 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 air leaking from a balloon. They just kind of fit, uh, fall out of me. But when I'm focused, and and you can study this with any, like basically anyone with Tourette's syndrome, uh, when they're doing something that requires focus, like playing an instrument or doing a sport or like drawing, like any sort of like creative uh, uh, and attentive action, uh, their tics desist. And it's very, it's sometimes it's phenomenal to see where I, I've been to many events with many people with Tourette's syndrome. And you'll see one person walk up to the stage to perform and they're going to play an instrument and they have all these like motor tics that are affecting their movement and it's very severe. And then they start playing and they play perfectly calm the whole time. And then they stop and they go right back to ticking again. It's you would think they're making it up like it's unbelievable how stark the contrast can be sometimes. My experience uh, with Tourette syndrome Uh, was like it was a lot worse when I was younger and then I got introduced to meditation in like the eighth grade and it became this 
uh, avenue for me to sit down and think about my actions. And it sort of taught me a discipline with Tourette syndrome. And I'm not a doctor. If you have Tourette syndrome, I don't have the answers for you. I have experiences and anecdotes, but uh, if you have Tourette syndrome, please go to the Tourette Association of America's website, uh, and they have all the resources you would ever need. Uh, anyway, my anecdote is that learning uh, meditation reconceptualized my tics in me as choices instead of involuntary actions. And that's sort of a touchy subject uh, with people with Tourette's because uh, for more severe cases, unlike mine, they really are, um, I don't want to describe it like Parkinson's. Parkinson's is very different. But Parkinson's is very clearly uh, at like movements that you have no control over. And Tourette's syndrome, it's not that you don't have control, quote unquote, over it. Um, but you have this uh, severe impulse to perform this action and ignoring that impulse is like not scratching the worst itch in the world. It kind of feels like that. So, be, so because I was taught at a very young age meditation, uh, there, there is this idea that Tourette's can get more severe over time unless it's treated. So, beca again, because I was um, taught meditation at a young age, I was very early able to reconceptualize tics as these choices, and I would just discipline myself. It's like I would feel the urge to do an action, and I would like refuse to do it uh, on account of I was in the middle of a classroom learning meditation, and I didn't want to disrupt anyone. So I also had like there were stakes on the line, which may which probably helped. Uh, but then from there, I just kept practicing that meditation and my. Um, and reacting to my impulse to tick sort of mitigated more and more over time to the point where most people I talk to, uh, not everyone, occasionally someone meets me, especially someone I get close to, they say like, yeah, I've, I've noticed a couple of times you do like a thing. You do a thing or something? And it's like, yeah, I do do a thing. I have Tourette syndrome. But most people have no <laughs> idea. <clears throat> and, that's, and I sort of attribute it all to meditation. Now, I've stopped doing it. And to come back to a little bit what we were talking about earlier with mindfulness, I feel like what I've done is I've taken what I've learned from meditation and turned it into this sort of mindfulness where what I've learned from meditating, uh, I just kind of take it into my general lifestyle and apply that to my anxiety uh, and Tourette syndrome because those things are also often very tied. Um, and I and the discipline over like the choice of my own actions is a very like important part of my lifestyle now. The last time that I ever meditated like at all regularly was when I was in a very high anxiety situation, and I I I, I was doing a show. I was acting and singing, and there were many shows in a row, and it was very exhausting, and I was sick. And I was having trouble singing, so every day before the show I would meditate just to try and relax my body and just try and get into a mindset of just calm and removing tension because we're all singers here. Tension is really uh, difficult uh, to sing through. <laughs> like tension is, will kill you as a singer. And I used meditation to kind of remove that, and it was a very helpful tool as an actor and a singer, but that was you know, maybe five years ago at this point or less probably. But in any case, um, it was a while ago. And now it's just kind of a tool that I can kind of come back to. Uh, but it's not something I do regularly anymore. 
Um, that said, I was very interested to hear how you guys thought about it because I definitely expected neither of you to be practicing meditators. <laughs> well, now I kind of just feel like a dick for saying it was it was useless. <laughs> no, that's but that's but it is useless for you. <laughs> like your your situation's so much different than mine. Like that makes perfect sense to me. Like when you have to build a house, you use a hammer, not a calculator. Like a calculator would be useless <laughs> in that regard. Like makes perfect sense to me. Architects, you can add Alex. <laughs> yeah, architects add <laughs> Alex. <laughs> you can't get what I mean. Get what I mean. Whatever. Not, <laughs> not explaining myself. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, yeah, I can definitely see how, how meditation is useful for for certain things. It's just not yeah, for it's, me it's, for whatever reason. I think it's because my brain is like already fairly, usually fairly calm. Um, I mean, I... I don't have like a lot of thoughts at once. I'm usually like focused on one thing. Like my thoughts don't normally like race or anything like that. It's usually like I'm gen- generally like a fairly calm person already. So so to so to so to aim to be more calm might just kill me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, and like and 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 knowing you, like I t- like I totally see how that's how that's true. Um, like like medication. <laughs> Why do I keep saying that? Meditation. <laughs> Meditation. <laughs> Welcome to the Neurodiverse podcast. And there's the meditation title. <laughs> is a tool, uh, like any other, and it's it's I I feel like it's a tool that some people need, some people don't. I feel like, you know, like Alex, you just described, like you were in a particular situation where it's a tool that you pulled out of the toolbox and returned to, um, because yep. you were in a really yep. high stress situation. Like, it's not always just a um a totally yes or no thing. It's um, you know, I don't practice meditation regularly because i don't feel like i need to practice regularly but when i do it's definitely uh a good tool to have do you guys know um what's his name there's this uh person who does a sort of talk show and he gets very high profile celebrities but he constantly acts out and is a complete nonsensical person. Like he, like he'll, like he is literally vomited, vomited and eaten it back, like on the talk show that he does. Oh. And he destroys his desk in front of his guests. Sounds terrible. It's hor- It's Andre something. You guys talk about Eric idea? Andre. Eric Andre. Eric Andre show. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah, Eric Andre show. That's the one. He's fascinating individual. First of all, I. I'm not a big fan of his content, but I totally understand where it's coming from, and I can appreciate the personality, even though it's extreme and not for everyone. And yeah. I think he knows that. <laughs> yeah, no, he's he, he's pushing the envelope very on purpose. Yeah, yeah, he's an interesting person to hear talk. And one of the things he said is like, he was getting breakfast, and this guy who's a fan of his just walks up to him and like like punches him in the arm <laughs> and, he, and eric andre he just says like dude i love you and i like respect where it's coming from but like i haven't had coffee yet like just please leave me alone <laughs> like i'm not like this all the time i get it and i respect you but go away and he said like <laughs> he jogs uh he eats salads <laughs> he and he meditates like that's the other thing like he's he has this um, amazing extreme persona but it also comes from a place where like if he was like that all the time he probably couldn't have a talk show like there is a work life balance that Eric mm-hmm. Andre is achieving 
And, you know, part of it is like you have to be, you know, calm and collected in certain parts of your life. But he finds the ability to kind of let himself go in this certain way. And it probably is very healthy for him as well, but only in the context that he can control or discipline himself in other aspects of his life. And I just, it, it stands out in my head when he said that. I thought that was super interesting. And it's probably very obvious, too, when you just think about human beings. Like, human beings are rarely so one-dimensional. Well, he is he is an interesting artist. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, uh, of course, there's the work that you have to do to make art. And then there's the art itself, right? And those are, in many yeah. cases, two very different things. Uh, I mean, we to to some extent we experience that as well with with pixel noise. There's the work that we do that's you know not being streamed to the world. There's a ton of it that makes all of this stuff work. Uh, and then there's the stuff that we do on stream that everyone sees. And those different types of work are. Uh, are very different and i you know i feel like this is just mm-hmm. I, I feel like this could be commonplace advice to anyone you know anyone who's an artist or anyone who's working on any kind of creative project is you know just be mindful i guess about about the mm-hmm. differences between those <laughs> things like you can make extreme art without being uh in that mindset all the time or being an extreme oh, person yeah. all the time and you know i think that that's you know, being intentional about that is the only way that we get interesting art, uh, while also not going insane. You know <laughs> what I mean? <laughs> yeah, it's it's interesting hearing you guys talk about this too because I feel like I'm starting to picture this sort of on like a I don't even know how to describe it, but sort of sort of like if you picture a line like with two opposite ends, and like I'm picturing on one side the people who like need to try and rein themselves in a little bit, right? And on the other side, people like me who have been told for a while, like, you could stand to be a little more outgoing. <laughs> sure. Um, <laughs> um, and I'm I'm figuring out this middle, but, like, I, I feel like that's... I feel like meditation works for people on what I'm, quote-unquote, picturing as the left side of this line where, like, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, where, like, people are like, oh, I have all these thoughts and I need to focus in or whatever and then for people on my side of the line who was like i have one thought and i can't stop thinking that thought but it's there um meditation is i i I feel like could still be useful but for me it just hasn't been yeah and uh speaking of (laughs) were you gonna add something alex no (laughs) (laughs) so we've been having some interesting conversations (laughs) about horror games and the horror genre. Oh, which I feel have like... we? <laughs> yeah, we've been we've been doing our horror night on Tuesday nights, and we played Amnesia, which I think we finished Amnesia, which I think we haven't talked about on the show. Yeah, as far for, as I can yeah, for those yet. for full context, we uh, every Tuesday night are streaming uh, at twitch.tv slash pixel noise of uh, a new horror game. Uh, partially, it's because uh, Janet, we've observed through video game and youtube culture that audiences like watching people suffer and uh, i hate (laughs) horror games so uh so come on by it's everything that you want audience uh but what's the observation i made uh the other day that i realized was uh it's definitely a kind of style or genre of games that i don't usually play 
and creating putting it in this uh context of we're gonna play horror night uh now i'm playing these games that i normally wouldn't have and uh, amnesia is a great example of a game that i would never have fucking played but but i've not only played amnesia and like hated it for a while like at that point where I play a game and hate it, I would stop. But because we kind of had this thing on the schedule and it was spaced out enough, I ended up finishing Amnesia. Uh, and it's this very uh, important game in the history of video games for some reason. Like, do can you talk about that a little bit? Because it like did something fundamentally important. It, oh, it was a psychological horror. Was that it? Like it was the first time we saw that. You know, I admittedly, I don't know a tremendous amount about the history of this game. Uh, it is rather old, and it is a psychological... So a, a lot of the horror in the game is left to the imagination. Um, a lot of the right. horror is created through the things that you don't see, as opposed to the things that you do see. Um, your encounters right. with the monsters are uh, very little, probably, in a typical playthrough. Uh, you don't... You oh, don't yeah. like and like the, your actual encounters with them are much fewer than your expected encounters. Right. So like, you know, we just had this whole conversation about imagination and like a lot of I feel like a lot of right. the, a lot of the <laughs> horror in this game comes from the constant tension that never lets up as you go mm -hmm. through and that's created through sound, it's created through lighting, it's created it's created through the environment uh you could say the story. I I give the story like a four or five out of ten. I didn't think the story was very good. Yeah, sure, um, sure, sure. <laughs> but you know, if the story was your kind of thing, then it could be created through the story as well. And anyway, like what's left to your imagination, you know, what you think is around the corner as opposed to what you're actually seeing right. is where the horror mm -hmm. is, and that's where you know. Yeah. And and there have been tons of very effective horror games that have followed it. You know, like. Um, the yeah. Silent Hills PT, the playable trailer comes to mind. That's that's the scariest thing. That's the scariest game that I've ever experienced personally. And I feel like it's using a lot of these same conventions. conventions yeah, mechanics. yeah, and you, you said something in there that reminded me of something we had said on episode 24 of the Pixel Noise podcast, uh, Last of Us Part 2, Part 1. <laughs> um <laughs> 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 That's a throwback. Uh, Tony, you said something in that episode, which was Portal 2 is an excellent example of environmental storytelling. And you, Tony, have are, are very attracted to this way of storytelling. Like, this is one of the things that you really uh, have kind of grown to appreciate and it's kind of uh, explains why you appreciate uh, Last of Us and Last of Us Part 2 so much that it really just appeals to this part of uh, your uh, aesthetic choices. and Ghost of Tsushima, which we will get to, <laughs> <laughs> more probably, you know, in the last we hour, must <laughs> two hours from now. Um, we, I think, Amnesia does set maybe set a lot of precedent for that. Maybe not in other genres, but maybe it did. I'm not sure. But the way that they were able to do horror without uh, relying on the jump scare tactic. Uh, was actually probably one, another important reason why I was able to play through the whole game. Um, a lot of my play of that game was expecting something to happen, but rarely did something actually happen. And the 
most notably scary part of the game, which I, I ran into like technical frustrations with, but I can fully acknowledge like the way it was designed, why it would be interesting uh, as like a novel uh, sequence in whatever, how, however old this game is, 2000 something. It was a sequence where you're being chased by an invisible monster and the floor is covered in water. And the way that works out is every time you walk through the water, you make sound uh, and you can't see the monster, but you can see his footsteps in the water and hear him splashing as well. And you know what? That's actually really cool design. Um, It's very scary because it's just this invisible monster that if he catches you uh, or she. Uh, if they catch you, uh, <laughs> you you don't really know what's going to happen. Like, are they a zombie? Are they a humongous monster that's going to rip your neck off? Do they have a giant mouth and they're going to bite your head off? Like, you have no idea what they look like or, or how you're going to die or how deadly they are because you can't see them. And that's terrifying. Like, that's way more terrifying than just designing a big, scary monster. And that was, that was a really cool uh, sequence, actually, in the game. So I think Amnesia might have set a lot of groundwork for a lot of other games to say, you know what, you can do a lot more with a lot less. Uh, And you don't need to make a horror game by just adding a scary monster around the corner or... uh, or a like mannequin that looks like a monster, but it's not. And I got you. That's not. That's way less interesting than this environmental storytelling. I think. I think that's something that Amnesia did very well, and maybe helped set a better precedent for future horror games, um, kind of like The Last of Us. Uh, certainly, Resident Evil uh, and uh, Silent Hill PT. Like you said, I, th- I think they probably took a lot of cues from it. Yeah, there's not much to this game. Like that's. The like one right, of the big takeaways. Um, it 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 came out in 2010 for reference. I just looked it up. Um, and thank you. This game came out. So something that I said jokingly off stream. I had also played Uncharted two. Uh, the, the week or like around the time that we played Amnesia, and Uncharted yeah. two, the the PS3 game, came out a year before, but had these like huge lush environments and like all these big outdoor scenes and it's like especially considering it's you know a game from uh so long ago it was you know really like the environments were really beautiful and you know amnesia is just you know like it doesn't it, it just it doesn't have as much to it as far as environment uh but yet it does what it's trying to do extremely well like it doesn't you know yeah. it, it it doesn't it doesn't necessarily need all of those things and i'm not sure if i could pin a date or a year on when the like modern indie game like revolution or resurgence or like i don't know what to call it but like you know like 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 indie games are such a big thing now like games from small studios um off the top of my head i would just give it to binding of isaac but Sure. Uh, it's certainly and, the real answer is certainly more complicated than that, but I think we're around there. Right. And, and when was that? That was uh that was 2011. So, yeah, like I feel like I feel like around this time like we sort of collectively started like in the games community started thinking about uh how can we tell compelling stories with uh smaller budgets, like and not just money, but like yeah. 
you know, fewer people making the game, you know, not having a team of 20 environment designers, but just having one person, you know, like how can we, you know, how can we tell interesting and compelling stories by doing that? And, uh, and we've definitely we've definitely seen that build over time. So, you know, of course, this game was at the beginning of that, and so it did have flaws. It had mechanical things that we found frustrating, being, you know, just sort of being in the time machine, like seeing the future of where games went and how they got so much better. Like, you know, we don't have to deal with these inventory frustrations anymore and uh, different choices that we would have made now in 2020. But, like, f- for the time, it, it was doing a lot of things well. I just looked up the release date of Thomas Was Alone as one of these games. It's kind of <clears throat> possibly, or at least fairly, I would describe as the epitome of how much story can we tell with the lowest possible budget. Um, and Thomas Was Alone was released in 2012. And I, I, I also have to throw this out because <clears throat> I love it. Uh, Mike Biffle, who is the director of Biffle Games and one of the like the primary designer or artistic director of Thomas Was Alone, he uh, describes himself as having gotten very lucky to be able to be in the position he is now of designing games uh, after having made a pretentious game about rectangles, <laughs> which is Thomas, which is Thomas Was Alone. Um, so it, you know, again, we're in this mindset of there's we're sort of playing with the idea of you know what is fun but also what is valuable to the audience tony let me know if you think this is a good example you described to me one day that you had seen la la land with your family and your family is uh mom and dad and two younger sisters and the thing that I have never forgotten <laughs> when you described their experiences watching the movie was everyone generally enjoyed the whole movie, but it was yourself, like the it was the adults, you and your parents, that really liked the ending, but your sisters did not like the ending. So spoilers for La La Land, <laughs> uh, they don't all live happily ever after at the ends but it was it was it's an anecdote but it was such a funny anecdote to me of like there is sort of this correlation between maturity and you know appreciating a story that doesn't simply wrap everything up neatly with a bow like it's it's it takes maturity to appreciate that kind of detail and acknowledge that it's okay to not feel good about how everything turned out at the end. I, I, it's, I don't know. It, it, it enco- that anecdote encompasses a lot of larger ideas for me. I don't know yeah, if it and there's, resonates in the yeah, same way with and, and you. And the way that I think about that a lot is like, like a big, a huge theme in that movie is that, you know, you, you can, ha- you can try to have plans in your life, but they're not going to work out the way right. that you think they will. Right. Or they, w- they won't work out exactly the way you think they will, no matter what you do, no matter how hard you try. Uh, things will end up being at least a little bit different from how you expect, and uh, a lot of times uh, drastically different from how you expect, um, which is, yeah. you know, a theme that just personally I've been thinking about in my life a lot. Mm-hmm. And it's, sure, absolutely. Well, uh, everyone you know, does, I think, that at some I, point. So- Something that I connect back to. Everybody does at some point, but you know, like that's my, uh, you know, that's 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 my that's my quarter life crisis. 
So I I haven't played the game. So how does Ghost of Tsushima set up expectations <laughs> and maybe not follow through with the way that you wanted to necessarily topic of conversation? Um, I mean, I can I can speak to this. I just don't have a good answer, which is why I didn't immediately. <laughs> yeah, I was I was wondering up. if you Welcome. would because um, I mean, so just to lay the groundwork, uh, Dan and I have played this game, and Dan's I believe further along in it than I am, probably because he's had it for longer. But I well, actually, I don't know if that's true. I've played the game for about eight hours so far. Uh, I've probably played more than that. I'm I'm in Act Two. Are you in Act Two? No, no. Okay, then I'm farther. Um, And I mean, the reason I don't have a good answer to this is because I don't feel like the game subverts expectations at all. Um, I do feel like it's a fairly generic story so far where, you know, there's a good guy and there's a bad guy and the good guy goes on a mission to defeat the bad guy. Um, There's nothing really that's happened where I've been like, oh, I didn't see that coming. So I wouldn't say that this game subverts expectations intentionally like the Last of Us games do. I will say yeah. that for me, it definitely exceeded expectations. That I'll agree with, And for actually, sure. my expectations were pretty high, but there were a lot of mechanics I wasn't expecting hmm. uh, that ended up being great additions. The, the, the graphics of the game, I was expecting something beautiful, and it still exceeded my expectations. <laughs> it's, it's incredible. Yeah, it's pretty uh, good. Even, sim- <laughs> you know... I mean, I say this is simple, but I, you know, I, I recognize from a, a programming standpoint, it's not simple. It is one of the most visually complex games I've played in this generation, and one of the fastest loading games I've played in this generation. It's yes. like it's like a it's magic so trick fast from that I can go in this game from cold boot to, you know, in the environment and playing. Yeah, you know, I, I haven't clocked it, but it's extremely quickly. It's like twenty seconds or less, I feel like. And I don't know if they're like if they're doing things with pre caching or if they're like or if they're loading in like the section of the world you're in, like like from the second that the game boots and uh you know, like while you're because I noticed like I started it up and I was in the options menu and like I looked around and then I went to play and I was like almost immediately in and I'm like I guess this must have been loading like while I don't I don't think it's that though because you, you I'm sure you've fast traveled at this point. How could they possibly predict where you're going to fast travel to and preload that? I actually haven't, but <laughs> Oh, it's so fast. Like it's the fastest fast traveling I've ever experienced. It's like I like you know in previous games, you know like Spider-Man, I might get like try and fast travel and you know, it takes a minute or Skyrim or whatever. And, you know, I'll pick up my phone and like go scroll through something. But by the time I open, unlock my phone, I'm there in this game. Yeah, that's true. Like it's, it's yeah, blazingly right. yeah. fast. How can, how, how can they predict that? But um, yeah, it's just, it, it is, it feels like next gen. And the way I mean that specifically is that mm-hmm. one of the big hallmark features of the next gen for consoles is to make solid state drive standard. And this is the kind of like mm-hmm. experience that you know i this is the kind of experience i would expect out of a ps5 frankly and they somehow do it on my very slow spinning disc hard disk hard drive in my ps4 <laughs> and yeah it's it's incredible yeah the other thing i'll say sort of along the same lines is i feel like 
they've put a lot of thought into like player service like how can we just get rid of all of the little annoyances that people have to deal with in every other game like it's a really tiny thing but the fact that like I can just run and like I don't have a stamina meter like it's a big world and I want to just run and I don't want to have to stop every 10 seconds and in this game I don't have to like little things like that I feel like they just they it's it's game changing like literally it's it makes it so much more enjoyable that I'm able to just get where I want to go quickly and not have to worry about like you know running out of stamina on the way there. right yeah they 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 definitely made an intentional decision to not have stamina be one of these expendable resources. Um, And I feel like a lot of that comes back to the combat system design in this game, which is based on just a completely different, like I compare this game to Skyrim in a lot of ways, uh, a lot of good ways. Um, But the fighting systems are uh, completely different. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, I, I like it, it adds richness to the gameplay in the world and, and the fighting is uh fun i mean it's it's the first i feel like it's the first uh game with this kind of like this class of fighting mechanic i've actually enjoyed you know i've tried playing like mortal kombat and older fighting games and i've tried playing you know god of war ps4 i feel like had a you know kind of similar like in a lot of ways uh fighting mechanic you have to learn combos and counters and unlock new combos and like and it's not based on stamina mm-hmm. and all that it's actually very similar but i i did not enjoy it as much in god of war as i enjoy it in this game uh so they did it very well and that's all to say that like you know we can go back to that but like the lack of stamina is great because so much of this world is about in, uh exploring and in enjoying the environment. And I feel like they made a lot of little decisions that allow you to do that optimally. Mm-hmm. I will say that there is a stamina limit, but it's not, it's not seen, but if you, yes. you can't run forever because, you know, frankly, I think they just put that in as a balancing feature so that people wouldn't just run everywhere instead of using the horse because the horse seems, you know, important to the story. Yeah. Um, well, even even the horse has the same sort of invisible stamina limit. It will stop galloping after a while, but right. the the limit is so high that like it's right. you know you I rarely you run it's into not, it. It's it's not like when you're playing Breath of the Wild and running from point A to B is just watching that green circle empty and fill and empty and fill. <laughs> and it's like a timing <laughs> mini game, like getting from point A to point B. I you know especially after playing this game, like. Mm-hmm that's just so boring to me like having to play this little stamina mini game when i'm getting from a to b i feel like in every other game after this i'm just gonna get so bored by that and maybe even a little frustrated yeah i I would agree with that um i do say i I will sorry i will say that um the fighting mechanic i one of the things that i really enjoy are the different styles of fighting you can do um that i don't i'm I'm sure they didn't come up with it, right? Like, it has to be somewhere else. I can't think of another example, though. Um, But it's just really cool to have to be able to, like, change your style based on the type of enemy you're fighting. Um, Because I feel like in a game like this where it's so repetitive that it could get very boring, but that sort of keeps me on my toes. Right. Yeah. And, like, the battles, that it's one of the many things that, helps each battle feel different in the context of this Mm -hmm. is an open world game and it does have some of the open worldy stuff that all these games have there are 
you know, there's the Mongol territories that are in many other games, you know, some kind of bandit camp. Like, you just have to go and clear them all, right? And mm-hmm. that can be a very boring... Or, like, in you know, in, in Days Gone, it was, like, the... Um, whatever infested areas and you had to clear them out and like yeah like all these open world games have something like this because they encourage you to go through and unlock more of the map but why like Mm -hmm. those tasks can be really boring and repetitive in other games they feel fresh and different i feel like in this one because uh the combat experience is so rich and varied and um you have to be changing up what you do and also as you progress through the game like as opposed to a traditional fighting game where you just dumped with a million combos and it's like, all right, just use these all the best you can. You have to <laughs> unlock them one by one as you go through this game and actually spend resources on unlocking them. Mm-hmm. So uh, the positive effect of this is that you ha- you have the opportunity to learn them one at a time and it's not overwhelming. Like I can't state the importance of that. Like I never use big combos in games like this if they're all dumped in me at once. I'll just go back to whatever the basic like attack and dodge is because it's just I don't I don't feel like studying. Like I don't want to yeah. you know, I don't want to feel like I'm going through and memorizing these right. like, time t- times tables. Yeah, the other thing speaking about like how they do a good job of getting you to utilize all the things they've made. The other thing that I never use are like like in this game the wind chimes for instance or not that's maybe even not the best example like let's say this smoke bombs like i still barely use them like the little extra stuff when i can just sneak in and assassinate or even just go charging in and and fighting everybody but and at tony you probably haven't gotten to this point it's going to be a minor spoiler nothing to do with the story though so i feel like it's not a big deal um they there are ways to actually upgrade these uh sort of auxiliary items as you go through the game and i just got one where you use the wind chime to just you throw it it creates a noise it distracts an enemy they go over and look at it whatever but i just got this upgrade where you can actually um have the wind chime emit a poisonous gas um so it kills the enemy who goes and checks it out and not only does it kill the enemy it causes confusion because all the other enemies now see their friend drop dead but they don't know why right um and I thought that was so interesting, and now I'm actually using this item, which I hadn't used up until this point in the game in Act 2. Yeah, and like an earlier game example of that was I got the, I think it's called the Heavenly Strike or something. I did the side quest to, like with the Thunderclaps mm-hmm. and whatever. Yeah. And I, mm-hmm. I love that combo. I think it's so interesting because when you do it and you execute a guy with it, all the other guys, uh, they, they like... They get scared and they start yeah. cowering, and it like gives you an opening to attack them. And it's like, oh, so it has this like, it has this yeah. actual like, um, this thing that's a story relevant and b like this sort of area of effect like attack. Um, yeah, it's just it's it's really cool. Yeah, that's that's something else I love. Like the the enemies behave like real people. They get scared if you do something impressive. Right. Yeah, like that. That's cool. That that's right. very cool, and it just makes it so much more enjoyable to play. And and they are, you know, I would say the AI is pretty smart. Like I get I get snuck up on a lot. Yeah, and I get flanked a lot. And like, you know, what like while yes, the enemies will tend to like come at you. I don't even know if I can say usually one at a time, 
But uh, they'll come at you like one at a time a lot, but also sometimes they won't. And sometimes you'll get overwhelmed. Yeah, that that's rare. I do feel like it's mostly one at a time. I wish that they would not do that. I, I do wish it was a little more realistic in that vein because it makes it really easy to just go charging in, sword blazing, and just take everybody out. But I think, I, and I haven't experimented with this yet because I'm also not playing on the hardest difficulty I'm playing on like I guess it's medium or whatever it is I think there's there when I when I when I got the game there were three levels and I think I was on the right. second one um so what I'm what I'm interested in to see though is um and Tony I don't know if you saw this in the in the last update that they put out they actually introduced right. two more difficulty levels um so they have like the super easy story level difficulty where it's just like I want to play through the story and I don't want to die um and then they have the opposite, which is like their version of grounded, basically, where like apparently everything is like really, really hard. And um, I haven't tried that yet, but I do want to try it at some point because I do feel like there are definite moments where I feel like the game is maybe a little too easy. Sure. Um, but I'm also enjoying it. So like that doesn't bother me. It's just like sometimes I wish it was slightly more challenging, but I don't know if I want like a full difficulty step up. Sure. I mean, there there is a there is a step if you're on the middle difficulty, there is one step up you can take before going into the grounded difficulty, which uh yeah, yeah. you can try it and go back, I'm sure. But the uh yeah, yeah the, like it I would say it's like analogous to the um to, to the last of us grounded difficulty and the ba- and the and the easy difficulty is analogous to like the horizon story difficulty. Mm-hmm. Like the the one thing that I, when I got the game and I installed it, these had already been added, and the thing that I remember from the, I forget what it's called, but like you know this their version of the grounded difficulty, which I found so notable was one sword strike will kill you, which is yeah, and that which is that's like hyper realism, like right? Like that's like real life. Real life. <laughs> if you got a full on slash by a katana, you go down. <laughs> Like, <laughs> you know, so like with that in mind, you know, taking on a whole camp of two dozen guys is, you know, it's 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 a really uh, it's 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 a uh, it's a high stakes it's a high stakes thing, and I imagine very difficult. Um, yeah, but but not impossible. Like I do trust this game to make it uh, fair, in that um, every attack has its counter, mm-hmm. and. Um, you know, every, you know, every attack can either be countered or dodged or blocked or parried, uh, if if you're good enough at the game. Like, if you're, and then and then it just comes down to like you can never make a mistake. Yeah, like that's just what that what that difficulty is. Um, yeah, which is which is interesting to me. I I doubt that I'll get there, but I, <laughs> but but it 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 is it is an interesting idea to me. Yeah, I w- I will say that. For me to want to do that, I think I'd need a better story, like something that really invested me in the game. I will say the story is the one area where I do feel like this game is lacking. Not that it's a bad story. It's just very generic so far. I mean, that may change. I don't know. But for me, I'm not like super invested in the game. It's like this itself. I just I like the the actual play, uh, how, how it plays. Like I like I like the fighting mechanics and I like the exploring and stuff like that. So, but I don't want it to take more time and effort. So I'm I'm glad that you brought up the story again because what I I agree with you that it is it is a, a you know it's it's kind of a common hero's journey mm-hmm. at least the the only like I just know the beginning of the story which is that you have to um 
you know, you lost your parents when you were younger and you have the surrogate father uncle figure and then he gets captured by a big bad enemy and then you have to go rescue him. Like that that part is like pretty simple and straightforward. Yeah. The interesting thing that I find in the story mm-hmm. is Jin's relationship with his own honor and code of ethics. I I find that very compelling because mm-hmm. he has as a character, he has this extreme stance that uh, that that the story explains exactly why. It's because he's a samurai, and being a samurai is not just a job. It's it's an entire way of life, and it's a way of looking at the world. It's not, you know, like, yes, you're going around and you're enforcing the law. Because, you know, historically, and I'm, you know, I'm super oversimplifying, uh, and I, I did go through this on stream i feel like at some point but um you know japan was ruled by these uh by these different factions of criminals basically at one point like there was a central government and it fell and then it was all these different just these local criminals that were all vying for 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 local power uh and then the samurai came in and they Basically, their goal was to reestablish rule of law in the land. And the way they did that was by exacting justice, you know, violent justice in a very like upfront public and performative way. It, and like the, the idea was that it was the opposite of what the criminals and the thieves would do. And we see this. So like th- this has historical mm-hmm. roots and we see this in, in, in Jin's journey. He's like, he's raised on, on really on all the way in one side of the spectrum, which is like, you know, I, I come up, I announce my presence. Uh, I'm the good guy. Like I am, you mm-hmm. know, and uh, you know, you're, you're trespassers on this land and you're trying to take it away from the people who belong to be here and you deserve to be publicly punished for it. And right from the beginning of the game, by his circumstance, he's starting to get pulled in the other direction, mm-hmm. you know, by this other character. I her name is slipping my mind, but um, like like the yeah, first I don't remember either. Yeah, the 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 first character that you're working with in the story, and she's very much like like oh, we have to do this thing. We have to rescue your uncle. We have to the brother, whatever the the brother. Thank you. Uh, we have to rescue my brother and and all of that. And then her fighting style is completely different. She's like, oh, we have to go in and we have to like, there's too many of them. We have to sneak in. We have to slit their throats and take them out. And while you're doing this story mission, Jin starts going in and doing that, like using this traditional like stealth approach that we have in modern games. But then you're interrupted by these flashbacks of him and his father and um. Uh, and 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 his uncle, who was training him, and saying like, you know, this is this is not who we are. It's it's not just not how we fight. This is not who we are as people. Mm-hmm. And like, I really get a sense of this conflict and how he's, you know, he has to do these things to succeed to protect the ones he loves. But it's so against his belief system, and that's interesting. And it even extends to I was doing a miscellaneous like, you know, Mongol territory thing. And I was going around and sneaking around, like, you know, doing sneak assassinations, and I did too many, and the game sort of punished me for doing that with the flashback <laughs> to, like, it stopped combat and did a flashback and was like, you know, one of these, like, remember who you are, remember who we are kind of things, you know? Huh. So it's I have like, not experienced that. 
Yeah, so it's like, again, like building this character conflict into everything that the player is doing and making choices to do. So again, this is all a very long-winded way of saying, like, I'm very early in the game, but I'm now invested in how this character's honor code and ethics evolve over time because it's such a clear cornerstone to who he is as a person and like how the events of the external world are going to come in and change him as a person is what I find interesting. So we'll see how that develops as the story. Yeah. But yeah, it's a, it's, it's a really cool game. (laughs) It's, it's a really cool game. Um, definitely, uh, definitely worth a shot. Definitely worth the, uh, full price of, of buying a new game because, uh, I'm glad to have this now and to have this, you know, have this world to get lost in. I've I've heard a couple of things about the game outside of this conversation, and the things that stood out to me, and uh, Tony, you brought this up. Uh, something that stood out to me is this uh, stealth kill thing uh, serves two purposes, which is one, there's like a mechanical thing here where it does the game is trying to. Uh, kind of limit the number of uh, the amount of stealth killing that you do. Um, I guess it's like a very powerful feature and they don't want you to abuse it because then the game would be too easy. So it kind of puts this uh, strict technical limitation on your ability to do so. Uh, But the other thing that cutscene you described, uh, the other thing that it accomplishes is it continues to establish uh, the relationship with your, what was it, your uncle? Your uncle, That you have memories of? Who raised you, yeah. And you get a... Mm -hmm. Right, and, and... you get a lot of your moral code from him mm-hmm. and by bringing that te- this technical cutscene this limitation by bringing it back to that uh it continues to um enhance this idea that um like this all comes back to your relationship with your uncle and that's why this is happening so it, this technical limitation is justified within the story and also expanding upon this relationship and that's just a really cool. And when I heard it described that way, it's a it's a really cool marriage of sort of the technical development of a video game and its balance of uh, difficulty uh, and aesthetic and storytelling. Uh, it's a, that's like that's always the thing that I'm looking for is trying to tell the story through the gameplay. And I think that was a great uh, example of that. Uh, the other thing that you said that I have reson that has that resonated with me and the things I've heard is you said this game exceeded expectations. Um, It seems unlike The Last of Us, uh, this game's focus is not the story. It sounds like the story is good, uh, but I don't think that's the driving force behind the story. And I'm going to bring this up as well, Uh, Tony, because you were streaming Ghost of Tsushima the other day, and I jumped in uh, to chat with you while you were playing, Unlike The Last of Us, I felt very comfortable talking to you while you were playing, and it seemed like you were able to play while you were talking, which is extremely unlike The Last of Us 2, where constantly while you're playing, uh, there's this dialogue that's just, you know, as you're on a horse or as you're walking through a theme, uh, uh, walking through a scene, you're gaining more information about the story and the characters, and if you are talking over that, you're going to miss important things, uh, especially in that game. Uh, whereas in Ghost of Tsushima, it was just kind of an open world that you get to explore, and it was a much more relaxed environment where right. you don't have to stay engaged the entire time. 
And both of these things uh, are effective at different things. And they, uh, whatever you're looking for, one appeals to the other. Uh, and that's uh, and it was very cool to see that uh, this game was able to accomplish this different objective that uh, that I was kind of missing from The Last of Us Part Two. Uh, that was very interesting. So that actually made me remember something, which I have, makes me have a question for Tony. Yeah, um, I contributed because I going on break. <laughs> I am. I am playing the game in a way where I do have to stay more engaged than I typically do. And I would say I'm actually more focused on what's happening than I am in even a game like The Last of Us because um, I have elected to not play this game in English. So I'm wondering, Tony, are you playing the game in English or not? Subs not dubs, dude. Come on. Okay, cool. (laughs) Oh, boy. That's a conversation. (laughs) Um, Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> that um i will say i played probably the first half of the first act in english okay um and i don't remember why i changed but some for some reason i decided to make the change to japanese and it's such a better game like <laughs> it just it, i like everything so much better like not that i disliked it before it's just it feels feels more real i don't know i just i, I like hearing them speak in japanese and yeah so again it's like, really cool a, a big draw for this game for me is how well it establishes a sense of place a sense of place that is other from the place that i'm currently in and i really love that and i really mm-hmm. revel in that and it does that through the environmental beauty which is you know beyond what i see mm-hmm. in my daily life um, and it does that through the story and the experiences of the character, which are, you know, obviously different from what I experience in my daily life. Uh, and also the language, like, you know, when, when, when I, in the past, when I've, uh, f- you know, physically traveled to other places and, uh, you know, visited other countries, one of the things that I loved about that experience, uh, besides, you know, seeing things like seeing natural beauty and seeing landmarks and, you know, seeing things like that that I can't experience back home is uh, just experiencing everyone around me speaking a different language, you know, and really yeah. feeling like I'm in this other place. So, like, you know, what, when I saw that at the beginning when they presented me with that choice, I was like, yeah, no, I'm, like, obviously, like, this is, you know, th- like, I want to f- <laughs> feel like I'm in a different country when I'm playing this game. I don't want to feel like I'm in, you know, America or or in, you know, like, Disney World, like, pretending to be another place, but it's really not. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah, I did not make that choice at the very beginning. That just wasn't the thought process right. I had. I was like, I don't speak Japanese, so I'm not going to play in Japanese. Um, but I, f- I guess I just found myself, like like everything about this game is so like you said reliant on the environment and um like just it's it's creating this this uh experience and i felt like everything in this game was so at least what i understand to be japanese i don't know a whole lot about the culture but um everything in this game like screamed that this was supposed to be in japanese and so i was finally like okay let's just put it in japanese and see if it's any better and it for sure was like if if anybody listening to this if you're not playing in japanese and you haven't tried yeah, you, yeah. you absolutely definitely should. definitely try it um also pro tip there's you know kind of like the last of us there's a lot of options in this game 
Uh, for anyone listening who hasn't found it, there is an option to make the subtitles bigger. The default size I found was a little small. Um, mm-hmm. So that, that definitely is an option. There's other customization options as well. You know, I also, I saw that there was the Kurosawa mode and I didn't, ele- I didn't elect to do that because like, yeah. like I love that that's there because like if you're a big fan of that aesthetic, mm-hmm. like I feel like it'll do it really well. Kind of like, mm-hmm. You know, kind of like how Cuphead does this, like, very particular aesthetic very well. Um, you know, and I'm, mm-hmm. you know, I, I'm not a huge, like, I don't think I've seen a Kurosawa film. Like, I'm not a, uh, I, I'm not a huge fan of that yeah, me neither. aesthetic, just from lack of experience. Um, so, I, you know, I'm glad to be playing it in, like, you know, full color and, and all of its glory. But I appreciate that that's there for people who are fans of that. What does Kurosawa mode mean? So he was a very um, historically significant uh, Japanese movie director. What it basically does is it puts sort of like Cuphead, it puts like a film grain uh, filter over the screen and it puts everything in black and white with okay. heightened contrast. It makes it look like an old samurai movie. That's cool. Like like if you were to picture, like if I asked you to picture like old samurai movie in your mind, sorry Dan, uh, like what <laughs> what what you're probably thinking is something that you've seen either, you know, a scene from a Kurosawa film or something referencing his films. Yeah, I will also say minor spoiler. Um, again, nothing story based, but just like it's coming up. There is something that happens in Act Two, a specific thing that you're able to do that can trigger sort of a Kurosawa mode where it turns black and white and stuff like that. And I think that that is much cooler because it's not normally like that in how I'm playing. Mm. Yeah, that, that is cool. Um, you know, like when I got like this, this game has the freedom to sort of shift genre and shift style as necessary, uh, which I appreciate and helps keep it fresh mm-hmm. as you go through. So like when I did the subplot for the uh, Heavenly Strike or whatever, and you get to the boss battle at the end of that, mm-hmm. and uh, like the boss battle has a very different feel and aesthetic mm-hmm. from every other fight you've done so far. Uh, like that was, yeah, like that that was really well done, and that was that was really cool. Um, you know, it's just it's more focused, more focused. You and the other person, like it feels much more Mortal Kombat, you know, and like mm-hmm. and and even like they set up an arena in the environment in this open world environment that was like specifically made for this for this type of battle and like it was yeah it was it was it was really it was really well done yeah i like and this like this game just has so much style like i love i love the haiku mechanic oh that's so how, good how you go through these areas and uh like you find these areas and then you uh you build a haiku and that that gives you um that gives you a mechanical benefit and the the music to it and like the and and the camera shots that they do are just unlike anything else you do in the game and like they clearly put a lot of thought and care mm-hmm. into each one of these locations and it's it's such a cool mechanic and again such a stark contrast to the you know fighting slashing with your sword kind of violent thing like like we have this extreme violence that's contrasted and tempered by this extreme calm and mindfulness Mm and go back to the mindfulness thing like (laughs) part of his part of how he's um part of his character as a samurai is like samurais they they didn't just 
practice combat, they practiced mindfulness. Like this was as important as practicing mm-hmm. combat. Right. And the game lets you experience that a bit. It's just, it's so interesting to me. But we're not talking about the most important part of the game. Petting goats? You can pet the fox. Pet foxes. foxes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's great. Um, and Play- PlayStation actually released some stats on, on that, among oh, other nice. things. Oh, my God. And I, I, I was very, very happy to see that since the game, or in the first 10 days of, of Ghost of Tsushima's uh, life on this on this planet, there have been... 8.8 million foxes have been petted. Wow. So we're, do- we're doing our, yes. our part to make yes. the world a better place. World's a better foxes. place was exactly what I was going to say. <laughs> good. <laughs> good. Um, some, some of these stats are pretty cool, though. So there's there's been um, 156.4 million standoffs, 57.5 million duels. Tony, that's what you were talking about, where like it sort of creates the arena. Um because that does come back. I don't know if you've experienced more than one of those, but it, it happens on, yeah, on okay. a few occasions. Um, 139.4 million enemies have collapsed in fear. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's so, uh, so cool. Like, 800 players have spent 810.3 years on horseback and written 14.2 million haikus. Wow. Like uh, this is—it's so cool that they have these stats too. Like I'm—I'm I'm such a like a statistics yeah, nerd. Yeah, yeah. Like this is really cool. Like twenty-eight point one million flute songs played. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, this is just one of the benefits of having a closed ecosystem is you have these—you uh, have access to these analytics, yeah. and it's yeah, it's so cool. And do all these things have mechanical relevance to the game? Like besides maybe the petting the foxes, like playing a flute song does that benefit you in some way or is it, it changes the weather oh of course Sorry. i didn't i didn't realize yes. that so you can choose you have to unlock different flute songs as you play the game and each one corresponds to a weather condition so the mechanical benefit of unlocking them all is you can make the weather exactly what you need and say a combat scenario if you want more cover or if you wanted to or, or less if you want to see the environment. Like, yeah, like all of these things, everything has some kind of mechanical relevance uh, with very few exceptions. There are some things that uh, that don't, um, but almost everything has a mechanical significance and it's just, it's great. It's really, it's really fulfilling. The super hard tangent, <laughs> Breath, of the Vo- Breath of the Wild could really have used the mechanic where you could play a song and make the rain go away. Oh, just yeah. saying. <laughs> like, holy crap. Like it, like, it just occurred to me, like, that would have been a very easy mechanic to add because it fits aesthetically. There's precedent for playing music that changes the, mm-hmm. that makes it rain in the game, literally, inside a windmill or otherwise. Like, whatever you want to do, just <laughs> rain appears. Uh, boy, that would have fixed a major frustration with that game. Anyway, tangent over. No, I, I just was going to say, I think it's, and we spoke about this briefly last episode too, but um, I just think it's so cool what they've done with the nature in this game. Right. Like the fact that animals are there to help and um, like the, I didn't even realize the flute changing the weather thing. Like that's really cool. Um, 
one of the other things I, I found really interesting from the start is like while you can hunt, like you you can shoot and kill deer with your bow, but there's no reason yep. to. Um, and I found out later, um, just through like a, I forget how I found it out, but like, I guess an NPC told me or something, it's actually frowned upon to hunt deer. That's why it doesn't help you to kill them. Um, no deer hides in this game. No, there are hides for other animals, but not for deer. Yes. Um, so yeah, I feel like they put so much more thought than, than most other games do into the environment. Yeah, and I feel like, I feel like that's the, like, important thing to discuss with this game and, like, the important thing to appreciate about this game and, like, you know, if we're gonna say, like, how it seems like it can be pushing the art form forward is it's a, it's a great example of an open world type game doing a lot, doing a lot of things right uh, doing a lot of things in the interest of the player and world building and storytelling and just fun and making a better game. So, um, mm-hmm. you know, it, it like I, I feel like it raises the bar for open world games. You know, other open world games take note of the decisions they made in this game. Yeah. Uh, you know, my my standards are now higher for <laughs> open world games. I, you know, I think I can safely say. Mm-hmm. I feel like I kind of want to play a number of open world games because I've heard, you know, people's opinions vary um, and how much I value their opinions can also vary. Uh, But I have heard people make that comment about breath of the wild and I'm sort of just, and we have a pretty clear stance on breath of the wild here on pixel noise where it's uh, (laughs) overrated. Game of the year garbage. Sorry. (laughs) Game of the year garbage. (laughs) But, like, I, I wonder if there's just, like, a combination of features that, like, oh, you know what? Breath of the Wild did this one thing well. Or with this mechanic, even though there's all these flaws, like, you know what? There is, like, this emotional response that this combination of mechanics is able to uh, uh, create in a player that maybe is much more the reason why people like it. Uh, I have to say, though, Ghost of Tsushima... Uh, the more I hear about it, the more appealing it sounds. And probably more than anything else, the two things that stand out to me are one is the way it's using nature, like the way you're describing it. Like, I love this idea uh, that, and I, 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 again, I haven't played this game, but is there a mini map in this game? Like, do you have a compass? Absolutely or not. A mini map? No. Which is great. Like, that sounds awesome to me. Right? That's the other thing that that I thought was important to bring up that I totally forgot about is, like, there's virtually... I'm not going to say that it's not there, but there is very little on the screen in terms of, like, a HUD. Like, there's... They they made they put so much importance on the player being able to see what's in front of them that they were like, we're not even going to take up any room with a compass or anything like even markers barely show up until you're like right. pretty close yeah. to what it's you're going enti- to you're entirely guided through the environmental storytelling uh it's it, it it's it's incredible and um the so like you're going through this world and you're literally uh you know you can follow through missions but when you're free roaming you can literally just go wherever the wind takes you <laughs> and be progressing literally. in the game. Like <laughs> Right, and yeah. replacing... So the idea that the game replaces a uh, mini-map or compass with just, like, nature and animals, like, guiding you to, like, yeah. oh, there's a secret around here. Tweet, tweet, come over here. And, like, that sounds... That sounds <laughs> Except literally. Right, that sounds <laughs> badass. Like, I love that. 
Um, so <laughs> it, it is. It's really cool. So I, I, I am much more encouraged to play this game, but I, I, I wonder really... Wh- Let me ask you guys this question, because you guys have played this game. What are the drawbacks? What are the downsides to the game? What are the problems or the frustrations you have run into? Um, I mean, for me, I can't think of any, like, problem off the top of my head. I think, and I've already alluded to this, I think the the main complaint I have about it is that the story is kind of boring. Right. Um, Like, it's, it doesn't draw, I'm not still playing because I want to know what's going to happen next. Um, Like, I'm still playing for the same, for for similar reasons, but much stronger feelings for this, about the same reason I played Spider-Man. Like, I like checking off all these boxes. Um, I enjoy that, like, I... Like I, I, I'm a fan of these types of games where, like, I know, yeah. I know, like, that there are certain um, to-do lists that I have, and I just have to follow it through. Um, but like, it's not. There's nothing innovative happening with the story, and I think that would be what would turn this into like one of my favorite games, is if the story were better. Got right it. now, it's just a really good game that I'm enjoying right now. But like, if you ask me two, three years from now, like what my favorite games are, I don't think it's going to make the list. Probably for that reason. I'm thinking really hard, and I'm going to do the <laughs> thing a critic is never supposed to do and say I I can't think of any criticisms of this game so far. I haven't played very much of it. I will say I haven't. I've only you know mm-hmm. like I think I think I've played like eight hours of it maybe. Uh, so I'm not very far into it, but. I feel like I'm you know, I've been introduced to all the mechanics. I get I like I have the beginning layout of the story. Uh I've explored the world a lot and like I've I've done a little bit of the story but I haven't done very much of it and uh you know, I've I've already explained what my motivations are for thinking that the story is interesting. So like I I really don't have any criticisms. Mm-hmm. Like if I would if I were to think of like what's making me frustrated about the game, like the one thing that I think that I'm frustrated with is that it's difficult to unlock all the stances. And I haven't unlocked the stance, I forget which one it is, but it gives me advantage against spear-wielding enemies. And so... Uh, it's going to be water stance, I think, right? Uh, maybe. I, I really don't remember. But, like, mm-hmm. not like being always at a mechanical disadvantage to spear enemies is, like... Like kind of getting me frustrated at this point that I'm like that I'm this far into the game and I'm still and I still don't have all the stances. So like if I were to like and I understand that that's mechanically significant, but if I if if I were making this game, I guess the thing I would change is I would give the stances sooner. Um, like like I have to clear a high number of Mongol territories to unlock the next stance, and it's like. You know, I have to do a lot of fighting where I'm strictly disadvantaged against a common enemy type to even unlock the, mm-hmm. you know, the, the the rock, paper, scissors advantage against this very common enemy type. So <laughs> I feel like like that's kind of frustrating that I have to do so much grinding through before I can get that. But at the same time, you know, I, I wouldn't make it just come for free. Like, I think it is interesting and fair that you have to unlock it. I would probably... I would probably just make the bar a lot lower so that I could be able cuz cuz the hmm. interesting thing about the combat is choosing the stances and like utilizing them mid combat like but just having them locked is like that's that's not interesting that's just frustrating so I guess I guess that's my one criticism but I really don't have anything else to be honest yet Yeah yeah and I I didn't really have a problem with that honestly like I I mean I'm I'm somebody who is 
I think we can all, I think we all know by now that grinding is not something that turns me off in a game. <laughs> like I, I don't, I don't mind it. Um, <laughs> so like I, I didn't have any problems with that. Um, I will say I was a little worried when I got all the stances because I'm like, okay, what do I do now? Um, like I've well, gotten all the stuff, like... <laughs> but I do think that it did. It's well, yeah, use them. But, but like you get, you, you do, it, it is, I don't know if you have to, but I know it's possible to get all the stances before act two. And I'm like, okay, I have a whole nother act to do though. And like, I've already got all the stances. So like what's motivating me now? And I feel like they did do a pretty good job in there. I'm not going to spoil how they did that, but like, I, I feel like they were able to keep me interested and sure. keep me wanting to get. Yeah. Things. Yeah. And even, uh, if, you know, I don't know what that next step is going to be for motivation, but even if there wasn't anything else, if I had all the stances now, I would still be motivated by the rest of the skill trees, plural, that you have to fill out with yeah. all the XP. Holy that shit, are there skill trees in this so. game? <laughs> so many skill trees. Like, that's amazing. And I really enjoy that they, they've separated the skill trees into, like, like they're so separate like they have this they have the uh stances skill tree and they have the ghost weapon skill tree and then like they there's you can really focus in and specialize if there's a certain mechanic that you like um and i i i appreciate that because there's certain things like i i'm not really filling out the ghost weapon skill tree much like i like the kunai's i've filled that one out um but other than that i've barely touched it um, and I'm not planning on it until I've done everything. Yeah, yeah, else. and that's and those are the interesting choices you get to make as a player in these uh, RPGs. The other, like, I guess the only other complaint that I've run into, and this is a very minor thing, the description for how one of the katana blades, uh, one of the, the katana skins was written, it was very unclear to me in the moments whether it was a mechanical or purely a cosmetic effect. Because they like, I think they used the words. It had venomous precision. venomous precision. Mm. It was like it was like strike down your enemies with venomous precision, and I was like, yeah. that really yeah. sounds like a mechanical thing. Like, does this like increase my accuracy? Yeah, it sounds like it has poison damage. Yeah, or like it has poison damage yeah. or something. Or mm -hmm. accuracy, yeah. You know, yeah, and it's just like, yeah, but 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 I I, I looked it up and it would, you know got confirmation like no it's it's just a skin it's just cosmetic and I'm like okay like that's good I'm glad it's consistent but I I would have written that <laughs> description differently because it had me questioning for a few minutes like uh, okay is this like actually a mechanical thing because I would have believed it uh, or is it just purely <laughs> cosmetic yeah right which which I'm glad about I feel like I'm I'm noticing this less and less in games I don't know if that's true or not but. Um, anecdotally I feel like it is where they're separating aesthetics and mechanics and I appreciate that because I I hate how like there are games where you've been where I've been forced to wear like hideous armor because it's just the best armor um, and I, yeah. I like being able to choose like the like the wrap on my on my uh, bow and on my sword and even the and uh, unfortunately I can't do that with the armor they did tie those together with the armor um, but I like when I can choose aesthetically what I'm wearing or using and not have it impact the game because then I can just choose the one that I like the best and not have to worry about like right, you do have which one has the best ability. With the armor, though. I like, do you can wish dye it different colors uh at least. Yes. Um yeah, and that I don't love like I'm I'm wearing the, the main samurai armor a lot just because it offers some defense buffs and 
it's not my favorite armor. Like I wouldn't be wearing that if it didn't. Um, but like I have to, um, I did just find a, uh, what is it? A black dye merchant, I think it's called, um, which is like separate from the normal merchant and he specializes in dyeing things black and I haven't been able to afford anything yet, but I'm hoping that when I do it, it looks cooler. Because that, that's the pro mode, obviously. It'll definitely look more professional. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Samurai professional. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I would like to be able to wear some different armors without worrying about that. And like there have been times where like I wore the, I forget the actual name of the armor in the game, but the one that unlocks, you get it pretty early on, you probably have it already. The one that like unlocks more map based, like 30% more map if you're wearing that armor while traveling. Yep. It's like one of the first armors, I think. And I I've try and wear that while I'm traveling, but sometimes I forget to switch back in a battle and I'm like finding myself dying pretty quickly. And I'm like, why am I dying? This doesn't seem harder than usual. And I'm like, oh, I'm not wearing my normal defensive armor. But and then the thing I don't like, which takes me out of the realism, is I can just pause and switch. Yep. Like I I wish if you're gonna like that that is one complaint I do have. Like they I feel like that's a weird spot to take away the realism. Like if I'm gonna change be able to change clothes and the clothes have an effect, I shouldn't be able to do it mid battle in a Mongol camp. Yep. Yeah. I you know. I, I agree with you on the realism perspective. It's it's exactly the same in Horizon Zero Dawn. Like, like the the optimal way to play that game mm-hmm. is you go through and then you're just constantly switching armor based on like whether you're um, attacking or healing yeah. or like even within a battle. Like, like I'll put something on to attack and then I'll run behind somewhere to heal and change armor and then change armor back and then go back and like attack right. again. Like that. Like that's the optimal way to play it, and that can take you out of the realism for sure. And so you could definitely argue that like for a sense of realism, they should have made that decision in this game. However, I will say I would probably be having, I'd probably just find that to be a frustration and be having less fun overall. If I had to like, you know, if I had to like go to a village to change or like, you know, go into a tent or something or, or even if it just took time, you know? like Yeah. Well, I mean, what they could have done is made it not necessarily, and this is a, a, a tricky subject because this takes away the realism in a different way. Um, but what they could have done is the same thing they did with the weapons where they have like the charms and stuff like that. So you don't have to change, but then you have to think to yourself, well, why does wearing full samurai armor not give me more defense than wearing like rags? Like, so, so it's, it's a trade off either way you lose realism. Yep. Yeah, like with Horizon, you have the weaves that you can put on the armors, and they, you know, they give different buffs. Um, so mm-hmm. they 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 could have done something like that with this game, and they they probably could have find a realism way to rationalize it. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, it's just so. And these kinds of like you know these kinds of RPGs. You know, which is just one kind of RPG. We've already talked about this, different kinds of RPGs. But in these kind of RPGs, <laughs> you know, like Horizon, Skyrim, uh, Ghost of Tsushima. Yeah. There are lines that are drawn between, like, what's in the... Like, what's basically what's diegetic and non-diegetic. Like, what's what's in the story and what's mm-hmm. RPG game mechanics. And the armor thing kind of just crosses mm-hmm. that line a bit in that, like... It is in the it is diegetic, it is in the game, but it's also like 
a purely RPG thing where like the player, it is more fun for the player to have complete control. So it kind of straddles this line and I feel like there's no perfect solution. I will say I am, I am happy with the choice that they made though, because uh, it's just pure convenience for the player. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. I, I like, I'm not suggesting that like, like you said, you have to go to a village and change or whatever. It's just, it's one tiny complaint, but I, I also don't have a good solution to it. Yeah. And it's also not a big deal. Like, it's it's one tiny thing in a game that's otherwise outstanding. Yeah, yeah one, I guess, like, one more little thing I want to bring up about this. And then I, I do want to talk about your uh, experience streaming this week, which was uh, a new thing on Pixel Noise I found. <laughs> but okay. um, I'm, I'm loving the side quests so far, too, in a lot of the ways, like, how I love some of the side quests in um, Red Dead Redemption 2 and that, like, not all of them are fantastic, but mm-hmm. there are some gems in there. Like there was one side quest I did mm-hmm. with this guy who was stealing valor and he was he was pretending to be a samurai and he wasn't. <laughs> and I went on this like little mini quest to yeah. like, prove that he wasn't a samurai and then it's like because like it also filled out the world more because like being a samurai is again, it's not just a job, it's like it gives you social status. And like the and the way that they translate right. um the, the, the sort of you know, I'm sure there's some kind of like custom honorific in Japanese for this, but like the word, whatever the word or phrase that's translated in the English subtitles as Lord, you know, to like translate it into the sort of mm-hmm. English, uh, British, um, caste system idea. Like it's, it's like, you know, it, like if you're in this right. social class, you're in this position and you can have like, you know, you can have peasants working for you and like cleaning your house and like, and so anyway, like he was, you know, he was, he was basically like stealing valor so that he could have higher social status and have people waiting on him. And, and Jin was like, oh, yeah. this guy, like, this guy's so terrible. And, um, you know, he's like, he's taking advantage of all these women and blah, blah. And so he scares the guy off, uh, which was a very funny scene. Like when he challenges him to a duel <laughs> and he immediately gets scared off. Like, yeah, talk about subverting <laughs> expectations. That was very funny. Um, so he's like, all right, I like, I got to go back and I got to tell all these women who are working for him, like, you know, they're getting taken advantage of. And then like, he's, he's talking to, uh, he's talking to one of the women and they were, they were like, oh yeah, we, we, we all knew he was faking. Like, <laughs> like, like, yeah, nobody, that, that was good. <laughs> like none of us believe that he was actually a samurai. We just like, you know, we just like, we. You know, he was just fun just, to have around. <laughs> he was just, he was nice to have around. And like, we didn't have a problem with living here. And it was like, you know, it was fine. So, and then, and then Jin's like, uh, okay, sure. <laughs> and it was just, it was fun. Yeah, no, I, I thought that was a very good touch. Um, the, every once in a while, something they do, they do like one little thing that definitely is not what you're expecting. It's very rare I find in this game, but it, but when it does happen, yeah, I, I yeah. thoroughly enjoy it. Uh, but you stream Slay the Spire this week and, uh, it was pretty cool. I um, did. Yeah. What was, what was, what was that like for all who were involved, which was not everyone but me? <laughs> <laughs> you know, it was, it was fine. Um, I still don't love streaming, but it was it was made more enjoyable by I think having Alex there. Um, so I'm not just like by myself. Yeah, it's me. I did like you know being able to have conversations about what was going on. Um, it was I don't know. It was it was fine. I think <laughs> that's what it comes down to. <laughs> I didn't. I don't like. I don't hate it, but I don't love it. 
Sweet. So there you go. <laughs> and, that, and that's a wrap. Yeah, like I don't. It was. It was. It was just kind of like. Uh, yeah, I, I don't. I don't know. I don't sure. have a whole lot to say about it. I just like. It, it was. It's kind of like mentally draining. I think. Um, and like, like I've, I've voiced that to you before. Just like having to be, like a real person in front of people is a lot for that long amount of time, and. It's, it's yeah it's definitely not something i'd want to do like every day but i think once in a while is fine yeah so i guess like it it's you... like to put it another way like if you're viewing you know your time playing video games as a time to recharge from doing your main full-time job um, yeah adding a streaming element to it would turn it into like turn it from an act like a recharge activity to a uh expending energy activity and then it yeah, yeah that's exactly it, what it like, is like in that sense it doesn't fit into your current lifestyle very well so um right like yeah like when i when i play video games like i'm very much not i don't know i don't know how to phrase it but like i'm i'm just like being a potato like i'm lying on the couch and i'm doing nothing and not like even even when i play fortnite with like my friend Pratik, who we we play fairly often um there there are like spans of five to ten minutes where we're not we're not talking to each other other than to say like oh there's an enemy over there like it's not like even even when i'm playing socially it's not <laughs> that social um <laughs> and i think yeah i think you hit the nail on the head like when i'm when i'm playing like i'm i'm recharging like that's my that's my relaxation that's that's how i take my mind off like the the stresses of of work and stuff like that and to have to sort of put up a facade when I'm playing of like, oh, I'm, I, I yeah, I'm t- talking about what's going on in front of me is definitely natural, and I, I, that's what I would choose to do even if I wasn't on stream. Like, like that's, it's not, it doesn't come naturally to me to do that. So like, I have to. It takes a lot of uh, brain power, and it's mentally exhausting. That's an interesting point about not talking during your social gaming because I've uh, taken note for a little while now uh, when I play uh, Overwatch uh, socially, as in, you know, I see my friends are online or we text each other. It's like, you want to play Overwatch, whatever. I talk the whole time. And sometimes I'll say something and no one responds and I'll just so I'll just respond to myself, and I'll just keep going. Like I just, it's just oh something. God. I just fill the air. Like I'm a I'm a perfect radio talk show host. It's like there's no such thing as dead air when I'm there. Uh, but no, like very often, and it's not to say my friends don't talk to me at all. It's not like they're ignoring me. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there are plenty of times where it's like, especially especially while we're playing in the middle of the game, like I'll just talk or I'll react to things happening, and I'll just hear complete radio silence from everyone else that i'm playing <laughs> um and it's just it's a funny difference and uh i guess it helped it give it gives that more perspective for me it's like oh, i guess either either people don't want to or people find it harder to do um and it's it's so funny that it's just not an experience uh that i share entirely and the way that my mind works yeah no i mean i i think I, I I mean, getting away from even introvert and extrovert, mm-hmm. like there are just people who are more outgoing yeah. and 
you you are on one end of that spectrum <laughs> and I am on the other. <laughs> I am. Um, <laughs> and I mean, do you consider yourself an extrovert also? Oh yeah. Yeah, I, I'm I'm I very much not the only extrovert in a fifty mile radius. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm not like I like like people people I hear people complaining about like having to you know stay in and quarantine and and like not go anywhere and stuff like that and i'm like i am thriving <laughs> like like this is like i am like the the ability to guilt free just not leave my apartment for oh months on end has been wonderful <laughs> amazing i i i relate to what you're saying like i understand what you're saying but i will say quarantine hasn't been hard on me because i haven't been able to get out of my apartment um, it's really the fact that, uh, I, I do stream on Twitch and I'm constantly talking to people in chat mm -hmm. and even through Twitch, I've met a lot of new people, people that I can comfortably call friends of mine now who I talk to outside mm -hmm. of streaming. And I have actually a plenty of social channels during quarantine and seeing people in person, uh, as opposed to talking to them online, eh, it's it's fine like it doesn't affect yeah i mean it's it's definitely an antiquated way of thinking about extroversion to be like oh you have to go out and and hang out with people because you can very easily do that from the comfort of your yeah, home and i'm an, mm -hmm. but like i don't i don't have or want right. that like it's gonna be a gigantic struggle when we can finally go out again and i have to like <laughs> suddenly remember how to function in society oh when other people can like see and hear me and expect me to hold a conversation with them and <laughs> i'm uh like i have i have like just completely like all of the like learned behaviors i have about like how i'm supposed to act in public are have gone like out the window and it's it's great <laughs> oh, Imagine learning those behaviors. What's that like? <laughs> you don't just do and live with the consequences of your decisions. It's crazy. Right? <laughs> yeah, kind of sucks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I. To, but to your point, I'm a very much self-proclaimed extrovert. Uh, but quarantine is fine. Like I, I don't feel <sighs> to say at all is too strong but i don't feel like i need to see people in person like i get plenty of social interaction and uh, invigorating uh connection with other human beings over the internet uh even right now like we're recording a podcast talking to each other right now yeah uh, i will i will say i was the one that kind of i did want like the video chat like i i like that more than just listening over the phone uh maybe that's an add <laughs> thing um, cause I, I like, I'll be, actually, I'll be honest with you. I'm pretty sure I wanted the video more so I could see myself, not so I could see you guys. I actually, <laughs> I think I'm, I do want to be able to see you guys, but I'm honestly, I'm watching myself the whole time and I'm just like, I want to see like how I'm <laughs> reacting to things and I want to see how I'm presenting things. It, it's, that's, this is a whole other conversation, but being oh, able yeah. to see myself in every and all my social interactions now is very unique uh, change from interacting with people uh, outside. There was a very funny bit oh, yeah. that I heard on a on a different podcast. I forget which one it was, but um, uh, talking about like how everyone's been communicating with people through video calls primarily so much, 
And then what's going to happen when we go out in the real world? Are we all going to walk around with little like makeup compacts so we can like set it on the table and see ourselves yeah. while we're in a conversation? Like, like, is this like, is the seeing ourselves in the mirror going to be something that we're going to miss? You know, I honestly, like if we can just talk about that for a little bit, I, I, sure. I sometimes feel bad about watching myself too much. And like the way I have my screen set up right now is I have, um, you guys are like two squares on the top and then I'm a third square below. Like I made the window smaller so that would happen. And I have my show notes on top of my <laughs> square. So I'm looking at you guys <laughs> because <laughs> otherwise I feel weird. I actually, I just feel weird about staring at myself all the time. Uh, but it's <laughs> it's hard not to do. Like I feel like... Like, I don't know if this is just like a monkey. Like, I just don't feel weird about it. Like. Well, like, I don't know if this is like a monkey human <laughs> brain thing. Like, like, like your eyes drawn to like yourself is a, like, I don't know. But like, I, I find no, it I'll, hard to. Let me to, answer. Yeah, I can yeah, answer yeah. this. I, I can answer this. What I, cause I, I've never really thought about this until now. Like, I, I, I knew I've looked at myself and I, rather, what I knew before this conversation is that I react to the way that I see myself talking. Like, I know seeing myself talking and acting, like, affects what I do with my hands or my face. Like, I'm aware of that. Um, but I think what's actually happening is I, I'm not actually looking at myself the majority of the time, necessarily. What I am doing the majority of the time is looking at the speaker. So, like, right now, you you two have been listening to me talk. You guys aren't moving. You're not talking. You're not giving me any information. I'm not f***ing looking at you. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm looking yeah, at the speaker right. who happens to be me right now. And I, say that be and, I, and I say that because, Tony, you were just talking, and I actually looked at you while you were talking. Uh, so, I, I, it's actually, you know, I, I'm not just staring at myself the whole time because while I'm not talking, I'm not doing anything either. Uh, so I think that's what's actually happening is I'm looking at the speaker. I just wouldn't have assumed that I would look at the speaker when the speaker's me also, but apparently I do. And I feel great about it. <laughs> it's not a bad thing in my mind. And see, what's interesting is I have very different take on yes. this is that I like the ability to not look at anybody. <laughs> uh, <laughs> like I like the ability to just close the discord window and I can hear you oh, guys and God. respond to you guys. But like I have logic open so I can see my audio is going and it's not stopping and like I have show notes on the other side and but like I don't have to like visually interact with anybody which I right, enjoy. Because like that's uh, again like it's going back to this like it seems like that's more like it's more work in your mind. Yeah. It's like, it's like strictly yes. more work <laughs> if I have to, you know, uh, if I have to uh, emote oh. and react to these different, um, you know, what, whatever it's like. Uh, and I'm going to tie, I'm, I'm going to tie, I can tie this back. I want to tie this, tie back. it on. <laughs> I'm going to, I have to tie this back. So when I'm not, looking at you guys while you're talking i think i'm doing extra work because i hear the voices and i'm placing an image in my head of you guys talking and <laughs> of you acting out so like it's like another layer of like oh i wonder what he looks like or i'm imagining what he looks like whereas i can remove that whole extra process just by having you in front of me and i don't have to imagine what you're doing i i have the information immediately and available instead of creating it in real time in my head they oh yeah i'm so excited yeah. <laughs> and 
See, for me, I don't feel like I get a whole lot of information from looking at people, oh. um, which is why it doesn't bother me to like not look. And actually, I prefer not looking. Um, so, I mean, and that I don't know if that's, you know, I, I can think of a host of reasons why we might feel differently about oh, that. Yeah. But right. Some of um, which may be neurological. <laughs> but <laughs> yes. <laughs> We're um, all just in chat. But, Please <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I, I think, you know, it's definitely a, a, at least a small part in, I think, I don't know if it stems from our extroversion versus introversion or, if, or vice versa. Maybe we are extroverts and introverts because of that. Um, but I definitely enjoy the ability to just like not have to like like tony you said it earlier like it's an extra step for me that's it's it's more work i have to put in um and it's it takes some of that pressure off i think when i when i don't have to uh when i have the ability to minimize a window and still be able to record a podcast or have a work meeting or whatever and Especially if it's appropriate for me to like have my video off and I don't need to worry about my faces doing like with you guys I don't care but like like at work like it's it's miserable because I'm just I'm sitting there I'm like I'm, I guess I'm supposed to look happy now because we're being productive or something um, <laughs> but like it's it, it when I can also turn my own video off that's just uh, the, right. perfect like especially <laughs> especially in the work environment it's like oh like I really want to be. I, like I really want to be seen as a team player in this meeting, let's say, uh, you know. So like, is there is is there an un? Meanwhile, I have zero control over my face, and I'm just making faces at everything, <laughs> even when I think it's incredibly stupid right, and right. that's very it's obvious. Like, yeah, it's like it's like it's like what do I like? What do I have to like? What are the unwritten social rules in this situation that I need to be fulfilling? I mean, like the thing that I keep thinking about is. Um, you know, from what I know about uh, from talking to people that at least I personally know who uh, identify as autistic, this is like what this is a common quality. I feel like that, like um, making mm-hmm. facial expressions that people can read, um, maintaining eye contact in conversations for a lot. of Not always like it's a whole it's a whole spectrum, but like for a lot of people, that's mm-hmm. like it's a lot of extra effort and it's actually very unintuitive, uh, which I find, uh, you know, yeah. which, which I find super interesting. Like for a lot of people, this has to be like a very specifically learned behavior because there's again, like, if, you know, assuming most people are neurotypical, uh, that like, you know, that's, that, that's what that means that there's this, you know, there's this unwritten social expectation, uh, to do so, but, uh, it's not, it's it's not enjoyable or even intuitive for uh for all people (laughs) it's fascinating yeah and i will say i've been doing some reading and i think i might be on that spectrum um i do not have a diagnosis or anything like that but everything's kind of ringing true i'm like oh yeah that sounds like (laughs) Um, (laughs) and so yeah I, i i would i would agree with what you just said um the one thing, the one trap I have fallen into is like I've closed the Zoom window and like at work I can't turn my video off. Like it's it's just like a meeting expectation right. that all our videos are on. Um and but I but I still close the window, like I don't watch people. Mm-hmm. And 
unfortunately sometimes that causes me to forget that yeah. my video is on <laughs> oh, there it is. and like and like there's there have been times where somebody said something and i was like what and and like i didn't say anything because like i <laughs> i i mute my I, I mute myself so it doesn't matter if i say anything but like my face is not off like you can see my face like, <laughs> the and, information is still going and and out. i'm like oh shit they can see me <laughs> yeah <laughs> There, yeah, so there, there have been some mishaps there. There, there's, you know, I haven't done it, but there's been some times where another, another teacher was not muted and said some stuff, and <laughs> that was a good time. So there, there's those oh, sorts of challenges with Zoom, um, or or any sort of video chat. Uh, but yeah, it's I, I don't even remember how we got here. Honestly, we were talking um, <laughs> about we were talking about streaming, right? And like what feels like what feels oh yeah, yeah, yeah. what feels like work and how right. we have um like different feelings about that. And and I feel like as as I do for so many things, I feel like I'm in the middle on this one also because like <laughs> I have been I have been doing uh more and more streaming um and for, for me definitely it's uh a lot of it's been a learned skill. Uh in my experience it do, it does feel like hosting like it sort of does feel like I'm like I'm hosting a like a small house party or like you know, I'm hosting people in my apartment. Like there's a, there, there's sort of a similar, uh, like intentional expenditure of energy I have to do when I'm, uh, you know, like when, when, when I'm streaming, um, and depending on the game, depending on the context, depending on the time of day, like that's very different. So like when I'm doing my, you know, when I'm doing my solo stream, that's like in the middle of the day, like it's, it's one thing. And when I'm doing a horror night, it's, you know, then, then I'm, I'm cracking open the beers and it's a whole different thing. Like, mm. <laughs> and it's just coffee it's, streams it's a really, and beer it's a real, streams. Right. There's coffee streams and beer streams. Just ah, like, yes. The two genders. <laughs> right. The, the two food groups. Like just how, <laughs> just how you have social gatherings. Like you have the coffee social gatherings and you have the beer social gatherings and they're, and they're different. Right. Hell yeah. And, um, <laughs> you know, there's, there's, there's places for, uh, you know, there's places for everything in moderation. And I sort of, and I sort of feel like that's, um, that's how it is for me. Uh, I do, I do find streaming, but at the end of the day, you know, like literally and figuratively at the end of the day, I do find streaming <laughs> tiring. I do find it an expenditure of energy. Like I, you know, I'm start, I'm still working on getting a better sense of not streaming for too long and like getting tired and grumpy at the end because that, that can and has happens. And it's like, you know, so I'm always, you know, when, <laughs> in reflecting on it, I'm like, all right, how can I, you know. You know, one of the great privileges of of uh, you know having streaming being a main thing I do is I can set my own schedule and I have complete control over that. Like one one of my, one of the least favorite things about teaching for me was uh, the lack of control over the schedule. I I hated that. Like you mm -hmm. know whether I you know whether something took X amount of time uh, or more or less, it it didn't matter. Like you had to fill this amount of time, and you right. know whether I was feeling good on a day or feeling bad on a day, like it didn't matter. You had to fill X number of minutes, and you know streaming is not like that. Like if I'm doing a stream and it's not going great or I'm not feeling great, I can just make it a short stream, and and that's fine. And I love, I love having that kind mm -hmm. of control versus the kind of work that I used to do before. I it's it's a huge, huge, huge quality of life improvement for me. Um, especially because like it is again, for me, like it is an expenditure of energy. I only have so much and I can only do so much. Mm -hmm. So 
Yeah, I think I, I definitely felt that with teaching in my first few years. Um, and one of the big, I, there were a couple like big pushes, like in even in my evaluations or whatever, but when talking to my coach, like there were, there were always a couple of areas where like consistently they were like, this is what we need to work on. And, and like I was working on it, but one of the things from day one was pretty much just like finding what they called my teacher voice, like basically like how to be authentic in, in a classroom and not feel like I'm putting on a show. Um, and once I figured that out and I was able to to figure out a way in which I could be at least a version of myself um, and not feel like I had to be this like perfect, peppy, amazing teacher all the time like that, that changed the entire game for me. Like I was nice. I found I immediately found the job substantially more enjoyable um, because I wasn't I didn't feel like I had to like wake up and put on this metaphorical makeup like I was I was just like okay I'm here let's learn and I was able to like speak like myself and not and 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 be myself and and it also just made everything go better like the kids responded to that because I I think they can tell for the most part when when teachers are faking it and um I think they were able to tell when I stopped faking it and and that made everything a lot better um and I think that's why I don't find it as draining anymore because like there's I've I've gotten to a point where I can walk into a classroom and I can tell my class like hey look I'm feeling terrible this morning like I'm sick or I didn't get a lot of sleep last night or whatever and we're not going to have a great discussion today but we're just going to get we're, we're going to get our work done and then we're going to go home and relax and they're like cool got you and like I may not be able to cut it short but like I can be real with my kids and and say like look, it's a bad day and it's not going to be the best class, but we got to do it. <laughs> now, granted, I don't want to sound like a terrible well, teacher. Yeah. I don't do that a lot. But like when it when it's necessary, I, when it's necessary, I do. Uh, I, do, I, do and I, I disagree with your evaluation that that makes you sound like a terrible teacher, because the, the authenticity thing is a super interesting conversation from the point of view of just someone who is in uh, like in front of an audience, like whether you're an actor on stage mm -hmm. or in a movie or in a stream or a teacher. Uh, if you have people in front of you, like authenticity is very interesting because you uh, there's there's a, there's a, there's so many things I could say here. Uh, I'll I'll try and sum mm -hmm. it sum it down to uh, kind of this general uh, thought process, which is it's actually a lot harder to lie <laughs> and maintain that <laughs> lie as opposed to just kind of stick to what you do. Uh, that te te technically should be easier because now you're not creating or generating like new things. Just do the things that you would naturally. Um, now there is a balance there of you. Sometimes the things we do naturally are uh, uh, distasteful <laughs> when in front of an audience. And it depends <laughs> on your audience. So yes, there there is an amount of filtering that has to be mm -hmm. done, but authenticity is really cool because you can filter yourself and then put the filter on display like just just talk about that like you said Dan like hey mm -hmm. i'm in a crap mood and today's going to be a bad day i'm not going to ruin it for you with like my mood but i'm just letting you know that as long it, as you don't <laughs> ruin it for yourself right. like like, <laughs> like, like you're, you're all going to see this filter on me and that filter is bitchiness <laughs> and yeah no and and i think 
I think maybe I misspoke earlier too. Um, as you're as you're saying this, it's making me rethink the vocabulary sure, sure. I was using, and I I, w- I wouldn't say I want to I want to recant. I wasn't necessarily like putting on a show or like lying about who I was. It was more like I was over filtering right. to the point where there was like nothing sure, nothing yeah. left. Like it was like they came in, I said hi, I taught a lesson, they left, yeah. um, and there was no nothing of me in that lesson, um, and. Mm. I think I've just dialed back that filter a yeah. little bit to the point where like I'm not I'm not doing anything distasteful but like I'm still being me. Um and I think that was a big change. Uh but but I also I I've, I've you know kids also respect like I've noticed when when I'm real with them in that way like as they they get it and they respect that and uh or at least they seem to. Um and like there there have been times where like it's not even like the entire day that's bad. Like kids walk in and I just had a really crappy class the period before. And I've told them like, Hey, look, this last class, they, they, they tried me and it was not a good time. And I'm in a bad mood because of that. And I'm going to, I'm not going to try and I'm not, I'm trying not to take it out on you because it's not your fault. But at the same time, I need you to work with me and not give me anything to, to like latch on to and get angry about. (laughs) Um, so like, as long as we just like have a good class, like it'll be fine. And, I think they respect that because then like it also normalizes I've had kids come up to me and be like, Hey, I'm having a crappy day today. Please don't call on me. And I'm like, cool, right. that's fine. That's, and that's, and that's awesome. And, and, and to the, in the same vein, like, like I don't do that to them every day. They can't do that to me every day. Like every day can't be a crappy day. That's great. But like if once in a while it's, it's not a good day, like that's, that's allowed. We're humans. That sounds amazing to me. I, I love that. And the way that you, uh, you said you re kind of, uh, redefined the words you were using when you say like you were over filtering, like you didn't have, like there was nothing left of you. Um, uh, that's the mm-hmm. definition of like, in my mind, that's the definition of you're not being authentic. Like you're not being you. Yeah. You filtered it all out. Like, mm-hmm. uh, like in my mind, that's the same thing as like, you know, you can either do too much work um, or you could do not enough work. And they're both uh, ways to come off as uh, uh, disingenuous in yeah that word no that's 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 right and yeah and and i was finding it incredibly draining because even though i wasn't like you know put it it was it was a really hard balance to to figure out like how do i put me into the lesson and not be uh and still be professional and still be a good teacher and it was just a lot of work both ways because I was at first I was not putting I was I was trying too hard to not put me into the lesson and then I had to overcorrect and I was putting too much of me into the lesson and that's sort of like the streaming mm-hmm. mentality of like oh uh, this is I got to, I got to the end of the day and like there was a period of like months where I got to the end of every day with a migraine and I was like I can't mm-hmm. do anything for the rest of the day um and I think I it took me literally 5 years but I think like maybe even this year I think I finally figured it out um like it wasn't something that came quickly right uh but i do feel like i'm in a good place now um and it was really really hard to figure out how to get there (laughs) so not saying that there's any obligation to do this but um let's say you magically had more days in the week (laughs) and you had more time (laughs) sounds good so far Uh, keep talking (laughs) if if you were if if you were to stream more regularly, do you think you would have to go through a similar process of discovery of like finding your streaming voice? Yeah, I do. Um, it's 
because because essentially the way I'm viewing it right now, and and I don't know, you guys can call me out on this if you don't think this is the way I should be viewing it, but I I would view it as essentially another job. Like there's there's a time period where I go to work and I stream, and during that time period I'm sitting at my desk or whatever, um, and I am. Even if, even if it's like teaching where I eventually figure out a way to get that balance, it's still not like it's still me putting on a show and it's still a job. It's yes. And it's still a job. And I th- it's it's a tough thing for me to figure out how to do that in a way where it's not mentally draining to the to the point of physical exhaustion, not just mental. Like right. Like like I, I mentioned, there was time where like in teaching where you know, I got to the end of it every day with a migraine and like, that was very real. Like I had to go home and lie down and like, I couldn't do anything else. Um, and that, I think I, I think I am, I've matured since then just in general. And I don't think that that would ever, well, I just shouldn't say that would never be an issue, but I, I think I know when to stop myself before that's an issue with streaming. Um, but I still would need to figure out a way to I, I don't know. Maybe I would just need to figure out a different way to recharge then because like right now sitting down and playing a few hours of video games is my recharging. Um, and you know, I, I can still do that. Like there can, I can stream, but then, you know, if I stream for three hours, I don't want to then go and play more video right. games. So I would need to figure out a different, like how, how to make the right. recharging still be a thing. Yeah. It's just, it's, it's an, it's an interesting thing to just, uh, think about i mean especially because like so i mean so much of what we talk about this show is like the differences in our preferences and and the actual ways we think and um you know the uh the, the different ways that we choose to spend our time uh because of it you know even even outside of any you know outside life circumstances it's just like you know what <laughs> i i guess like one of the things i love about this show is that we do we do have different thoughts and feelings about this stuff and uh and uh mm-hmm. and and how we want to spend our time. And I feel like this is... I think the other thing to think about too, which is something that I'm having a hard time overcoming in my head, is we spoke earlier in this episode about having these divides between things, right? Like I sit at my desk, I'm working. That's what that is. Um, I go to my bedroom, that's my bedroom. I don't have, I don't watch TV in there. I don't play video games in there. It's just, that's where I go to sleep. Um, And I have all these divides and they're very clear in my head. Um, and right now video games, that's, that's the relaxation thing, right? So, so to, to change that is also taking a lot of effort and, and to get to this point where like, oh, this is video games, but it's a different type of video games. This is not the relaxation thing. This is the work thing. Um, there's work and that's tough fun are crossing like they're infecting each other and that was exactly what we said earlier is like you want to avoid that you want to separate the physical spaces Mm -hmm. and that's sort of a metaphorical version of that right and to speak to that a little bit from my own personal experience you know i have been thinking about all these same things that we've been talking about and like dividing all this stuff up um and in the past month or so i've started streaming a lot more uh you know either with alex or on my own and the side effect of that which was like it was it was kind of intentional i guess um and it was just a choice i was willing to make is that the the video games have become almost exclusively a uh, streaming and like 
work thing and uh it's mm-hmm. not like I still have fun doing it but I don't use it to you know recharge pretty much anymore like or at least recently I've been mm-hmm. doing other things uh like uh exercising I know it's a different category but like you know exercising is a different thing mm-hmm. um also like watching TV and movies is like another Wait, like that's still purely in like the recreation like recharge category for me um so like that like that's another mm-hmm. divide i've like been able to make in my own minds um there is so like i guess like from my perspective like that's what i've been doing like i totally hear you're like it's sort of if you start doing this like as a kind of work then it can it can muddy the waters as far as like what's the recreational value of this and what's the recharge mm-hmm. value of this um and I guess, like, at least in the current moment, in this, you know, in this little moment we're in, that's kind of what I've done. Like, the video games have become more of a work thing, and then I have these other things that are more of the, like, you know, recharge thing. Yeah, and and for me specifically, um, I am very bad at hobbies. Huh, so um, and what what I mean by that is, like, what 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 i mean by that is like i if if i if i get interested in something it takes almost no time for me to try and like go further with it and like maybe turn it into a business or something like that like <laughs> for example i recently got very into tiktok um Uh-oh. it's addicting i spent i have spent way too much time on it um but i made an account and started making tiktoks like and and i'm like gaining a following and now i'm like thinking like tiktok is like a thing i'm doing (laughs) now um like it's 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 teacher tiktok it's a thing there's like teachers on tiktok so i'm making videos for teachers on tiktok and and like (laughs) but like that video games is pretty much the one hobby i have right now that is not like been i don't want to say totally not been taken over by that because we do have the podcast um but like but, but you're not playing a video game while we're doing the podcast. Right. Though. Right. And and like that happens to me with everything. Like I, you know, I I like photography. I got into it as a hobby and now I have a photography business and like that that's just like how I function. <laughs> so like that's pretty much the one thing I have right now that is pretty much not it's very low stakes and that that's like the one thing i have right now that is low stakes and i don't even have a whole lot of tv and movie options because one as you know i don't really like movies um and yeah. then two i'm pretty much out of yeah. tv shows like uh as i don't know if we've spoken about this on the show but i'm i'm, sh- I'm sure you i know that tony you and i have spoken about this i pretty much only watch comedies um so that narrows down the available shows for me <laughs> um and you know i'm out like with the pandemic and quarantine i've watched a lot of tv <laughs> yeah <laughs> um and i i mean i'm i'm open to recommendations if if anybody listeners Please or whoever has yeah. any but i've if if you if you can name a really solid comedy show that i haven't seen i'll i'll venmo you five bucks like 